Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. I saw funny that little argument we had on the air yesterday about the seasons and the start of autumn, which is today. It's still going on on Facebook. I'm still answering people on Facebook and feeding them the science of the seasons. And they're still arguing about what the nuns told them in school. It's the 1st of September, my friends, and it's the first day of autumn. 1850-715-996, the text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie, Twitter at opinionline96, and of course Facebook, the Cork's 96fm Facebook page. And address your messages for the attention of the opinion line. Coming up in a little while, your mask is of absolutely no use to you if you're nose is sticking out and it's a mask not a chin strap and these plastic shields that people are using unfortunately the science now tells us they're not really much use at all we'll get to that but first let us go back in time to june of 2019. We've got the insurance assessors and whatnot in this morning and tomorrow morning and they'll probably give us a full picture of it but it's just absolutely heartbreaking to look at it you know it just happened so quickly we went home for lunch and got a call at five to two ten to two by one of the neighbors said that the fire brigade were breaking your front door down mm. and that was it by the time they got in the fire had taken hold wherever it started and that was it. Basically, PJ, it's just it's just absolutely horrible to look at it this morning in the cold light of day, but it's a family business going back how long, Tom? It is, PJ. It's been in my own family ninety years. My grandfather started it in nineteen twenty nine <sighs> and my father then took over, who still works with me actually. Um my father Dan, so I'll be third generation. So it's been in the family for ninety years exactly this year. First time we've ever, ever, PJ, had anything like this. We've never, touch wood, had an accident, a fire, nothing. So this is absolutely devastating, to say the least. And the Clove Rock is up and going again. Tony Lenehan, good morning. PJ, how are you keeping? Not so bad. You knew the day would come, you just weren't too sure when. No, PJ, I, I wasn't. You know, it just, it was a long six months. Like last year was a different kettle of fish completely, but this year... With this, I didn't see this coming down the line. We were only barely open 10, 11 weeks, That's and right. all of a sudden this happened. So it's just, you know, it's just out of the blue. But look, we got through it. I know everybody in the country is in the same boat. 
but we came out the other side of it. So this morning is going to be the start of a new phase, hopefully. Yeah. Just putting it into context for people, you had just about gotten the doors open again when the COVID hit. We did, we did, we did, PJ. Like, we opened on the 1st of December, and it was a fantastic December going into Christmas. Unbelievable. Everything was looking positive in January. Coming into Easter, we were getting a lot of bookings for different things for Easter, communions, weddings, and whatnot. And then the middle, the end of February, just started coming down the line. And I didn't realize, I thought, like everybody else, a few weeks, maybe a month or two, I didn't think six months, PJ. What has had to change, though? I mean, this is an old traditional business, old traditional methods. Obviously, since the fire, you've upgraded or had to upgrade the machinery. But what what was the difficulty posed by the pandemic? Well, the difficulty posed by it, like everything else, the first thing, I suppose, PJ, like everybody else, I'm just wondering and I'm sceptical, is the business still going to be there when I go back? Judging by the Facebook and all that kind of thing, I'm hoping it is because it looks very, very positive and people actually like the place. We've obviously got to modify the door coming in below our shop area, the whole lot. we getting a, an online shop going. Oh, brilliant. All this kind of card payment and things, whatever. I just had to change to keep up with it, basically. Yeah. So online, you're, you're going online with all the lovely bullseyes and clove rocks and all those things. We have to, we have to. We will in a couple of weeks' time, hopefully, PJ, when everything is up and going and everything is running smoothly, we should have an online shop going, which people have been crying out for years for. Yeah. So this time I kind of was kind of pushed into it and I said, look, we might as well do it. I know people still love the experience of coming to the, the shop below because it's unique and it's just the experience of coming in. The smells but, alone uh, is worth coming for, like it is PJ the smell and that's what it is the old building and the history of it and whatever it's like going to your favourite pub that's what it's like it's like you love going to your favourite pub but if someone delivered a pint to your door from it it wouldn't be the same thing I'm certain you wouldn't buy a pint online <laughs> and have someone put it in a box for you and send it to Australia <laughs> but I mean that, that offers a big opening too doesn't it Tony with you know Carconians the world over now uh, in contact if you just take Look at something like the Boys and Girls of NACA Facebook yeah. page with ten or 12,000 members. Look at the the People's Republic, the PROC. We've an ongoing slagging match here, me and them, but they're all <laughs> over the world. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you go online, yeah. you, you'll be overrun, lad. That's the thing. But, like, you just got to keep up with it. You know, we keep it local for a while and see how it goes. But, like, it's like everything else. If you kind of stand still in a business like this, in retail or whatever, PJ, you'll obviously get left behind. Yeah. And after the fire, we didn't have a chance to do it because the minute we opened the door, it was Christmas time and it was just bananas. It was 12-hour days. So this time, we kind of had time to do it properly over the last six months. We've been sitting down, talking about it and whatever. So hopefully... Hopefully we will be able to do it this time. Alright, well look, when you get that online offering going, let me know, right? And we'll plug the hell out of it because I'm so thrilled for you, Tony. It's a traditional cork business and it's yes. a family business and you it had is. one big problem in June 2019 and then the pandemic yeah. snookered you again. Delighted to see you back, mate, and, and best of luck. Listen, thank you very much, PJ. Cheers. That's Tony Lenehan from Shandon Suites. They're open again, and the exciting part, and I know people listening to us all over the world now on podcast and on the overnight repeat and whatever, they're going online. You'll be able to get the bullseyes and the clove rocks online. Like, that's progress. 1850-715-996. Coming up, your face mask. If you're not wearing it right, 
you might as well not be wearing it at all. And the news on those visors, not so good. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette, now at the Junction Vickers Road. Open every day to save you time and money. Selfservicelaundry.ie The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. Cork Yoga Fest 2020 will take place at the Clayton Hotel Silver Springs on Sunday the 20th of September. With hourly yoga and healing sessions, proceeds from the event will go to the Hope Foundation. Tickets are available from the hopeshop.ie If you have an event you would like mentioned email corkdiary at 96fm.ie This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Call us now 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM Now the acting chief medical officer Dr. Roland Glynn has spoken about face masks in the last 24 hours. And he said, we've seen far too many people walking around with them under their chin. We've all seen that. They're wearing like a chin strap. We've seen loads of people wearing them with their nose exposed. You know the way the nose pops? Yeah, a bit like leaving your fly open. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Glynn said, neither of these things provide any protection and indeed may even increase the risk. So they want, they're delighted with the number of people actually wearing masks, but they're concerned by the number of people not wearing them properly. That's Neffet. And then Dr. Ronan Boland here in Cork put up a picture on his Twitter, a video on his Twitter in the last couple of days, which is quite graphic really, as to how these plastic visors may not be of much use to you at all. It's a video of a guy coughing over two trays of liquid nitrogen, which of course the minute he coughs, it flows up into a cloud. Uh, and you addressed your tweet, particularly Dr. Boland, to uh, restaurants and shops. Dr. Ronan Boland, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Let's, let's address the visors first, because I know that for a lot of people who wear glasses, uh, who, who have maybe sensory issues around wearing a mask, the, the visors have become a, an alternative in some cases, but they're not as useful as you might think. No, they're not nearly as useful at all. And uh, as you mentioned, there are specific situations where people may have difficulty wearing uh, uh, wearing a mask. But uh, I, th- I, I fear that there is a general perception there out, out there amongst uh, some employers and amongst some staff that there is an equivalence between uh, wearing a visor and wearing a mask, and there is not. I mean, there's no question but that a mask uh, worn correctly and handled correctly provides better protection uh, to the person who's wearing the mask, and more especially, it protects a lot more protection to the people that that person is in immediate contact with. So, as specifically mentioned in that tweet, and uh, in in the context of restaurants, for example, if you've got a server who's standing over you, uh, you're sitting down at a table, and somebody is wearing only a visor. Uh, the, the visor, in fact, has the potential to funnel that person's breath uh, if they're standing in your sitting, funnel the breath down over you and over the table that you're sitting at. And uh, certainly, the use of visors, from what I've seen, uh, appears to be pretty widespread out there uh, in retail and in restaurant environments. And it does cause me quite considerable concern. Well, I took one call here uh, early in the whole mask campaign when people are trying to 
wear, get us to wear a face covering, Ronan. And, and I had to accept that I saw the caller's point. You go to a restaurant, you go to a shop, and, and you're, you're ordering something and you're talking to the person mm-hmm. behind the counter. It's very, very impersonal when you can't see their facial expression. Also, if you're hard of hearing, it's yep. impossible because you can't lip read. So the, the visor was a kind of a, a kind of a halfway house. Yeah, except that it's not, is the reality. And I completely accept the points that you're making. There are specific instances, and lip reading, I think, in people that are hard of hearing in particular, uh, is an issue. But I mean, that, uh, you know, uh, what percentage of the population are hard of hearing? It's a small percentage. Uh, and there is an option, obviously, to, to remove carefully a mask that's worn correctly to allow a person who's hard of hearing uh, to understand the person that's speaking to them. But, uh, the ex- uh, you know, uh, using the exception to make the general rule generally makes a bad rule. Uh, and most people, uh, and, and it is impersonal, and obviously we prefer not to wear them, but there is no question but that uh, if you wear a mask and I wear a mask, uh, uh, put on correctly and worn correctly that the risk of transmission of coronavirus is very much reduced uh, and uh, you know it's a question that I suppose ultimately of priorities and we've been doing very well here overall uh, I've been glad to see the, the use of masks has increased very significantly just from my own uh, travels around mm. the city and uh, uh, and that you know that most people are being responsible but I do worry that there is a perception out there that uh, that, that a mask and a visor are interchangeable visors really in the first instance were uh, their, their main use uh, is for is actually for healthcare professionals worn in conjunction with the mask. So it's an extra item. So and it's re- it's really its main protection is to stop somebody coughing or or uh, coughing into your eyes because obviously the virus can 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 uh, can get into your body through your eyes. So uh, we wear them in a in a medical and a healthcare context uh, in addition to a mask, but it's not a substitute for a mask in the vast majority of cases. And and I, I think that the visors are being used all too frequently by uh, supplied by employers and used by uh, by members of the public in the mistaken impression that it is providing the same level of protection to them uh, particularly, but also to the people that, that surround them uh, as a mask would do, and it doesn't do so. Can I address you to the comments made by Dr. Glynn, uh, the Acting Chief Medical Officer, mm. with regard to the wearing of masks? And, and we've all seen it, the chin strap effect. And that's kind yeah. of, well, I'm not using it now, I'll use it later, um, yeah. which I suppose, that's unhygienic to say the least. But this idea that you can put the mask over your mouth and leave your nose sticking out, now that's useless. Feeds the purpose, yeah. I mean, I mean, you obviously, uh, some of us are mouth breathers, some of us are nose breathers, some of us breathe, uh, breathe using a combination of our. Most of us breathe using a combination of our, of our mouth and our nose. But for a mask to be effective, it has to cover your mouth and your nose. Uh, the it's very important that the portion of the mask that screens your mouth and nose uh, that you don't touch it. So people need to, and be, most pe- people should know how to take on, uh, take on, or remove a mask correctly at this stage. You should do it by the portions that cover your ears. And obviously, uh, it's a bit of a nuisance. It is a bit of a nuisance taking it on and off if you're going in the shops and you might be outdoors for long periods. But basically, wearing it in your chin is not a Good, it's, well, it's not a good look, but more importantly, it's not a good alternative because if the mask is down on your chin, the, you know there were bugs on your chin, uh, and you're breathing out onto the mask. So basically, you, 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 uh, it's sitting on your chin. You're continuing to breathe. Uh, if you're breathing through your nose, you're breathing right down onto the mask and contaminating the mask. 
then you're putting it onto, onto the outside of the mask, then you're putting it back on and you're breathing through it and you're uh, you're in the and putting it back on in the mistaken impression that you're now protecting those around you again, whereas in fact you're probably just blowing the germs from the outside of your mask onto them. So so basically, uh, the correct procedure is you wear the mask. Uh, if you're in and out of shops, uh, and again, I, I've seen it around town, uh, um, people, and because uh, I, I have always felt that there was uh, an element of people being... Uh, feeling a little bit uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable wearing one myself the first couple of times I wore one about people, you know, this element of, you know, people that you're feeling that you're going to stand out or that you're going to be stigmatised for wearing a mask. So more and more people are comfortable wearing them out on the street. Now, they don't have to be worn on the street, obviously, yeah. unless you're in... in, in yes, I suggest, Dr. Boland, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think you're right there. It's certainly to be different if you're in Manhattan, for example. Paris, you know, where you're, 100 you're euro fine on the spot if you're yes. not wearing one, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So if you're in a if you're in a city where people are standing in very close proximity for extended periods, you know, waiting for buses or subways or so on, yes, they should be worn outdoors. Generally in Cork, it's probably not necessary. But yeah. on the on the other hand, if you're in and out of you know, if you're going from from you know from shop to shop uh, in quick succession, and you're stepping out of one shop into another, it makes more sense to just leave it on and to, war- to put it on properly, a eh, and and leave yeah. it on between shops. For example, in a shopping centre, if I if I re- remember the guidelines correctly, and should they change from time to time, once you enter the main door of a shopping centre, you're supposed to wear it all the time until you come out. You're correct. That is what the guidelines say. I checked them myself this morning. So yes, it shouldn't be taken off from the time you enter this shopping centre, which is an enclosed space until the time that you leave. Uh, so, and, and, but likewise, even in town, if you're going quickly from shop to shop, I'd suggest leave it on. If you're going to take it off, take it off properly by the ear straps. Uh, make sure just to, to, I mean, it's quite okay to uh, to fold it carefully. Uh, Trying try to avoid touching the face and nose part of the mask, just to handle the periphery of the mask. Uh, I fold it and put it away in a clean pocket and put it back on. You know, if it's going to be 10 or 15 or 20 minutes before you next go indoors yeah. and have to wear it again, that's fine. But just make sure that you handle it properly. And obviously, if it's a cloth mask, uh, if it's a disposable mask, you dispose of it at the end. If it's a cloth mask, which most of them should be, because people shouldn't be using surgical grade masks for this purpose. Uh, if it's a cloth mask, they, should, they, need, they do need to be put into a relatively hot wash, and yeah. uh, they're cheap to buy. You know, have, we have a few of them on the go, so you know, have, uh, you know, when you come home from town, throw it in the wash and have yeah. a fresh one the next day. One of the things, though, that has arisen repeatedly since we got into the wearing of masks, and, and I gave up my glasses a few years ago, so but I, I can imagine how it must feel they fog up your glasses all the time no matter how you wear them that's hard to yeah it is and uh, well I, I, I know this from first hand experience being in my 50s unfortunately I, know, uh, I have never worn glasses I need glasses for reading and if I'm in, the, in my own surgery and I'm seeing patients I'm going between a computer screen and uh uh, you know, and, and uh, papers in front of me and so on. I'm wearing a mask. Yes, they do fog up. Um, the best solution that I have uh, heard for this is to uh, wash your glasses in shaving foam, right, uh, and to dry them. So to wash and rinse and then dry. There's okay. puts of film on the glasses. 
they're much, much less likely to fog up. So try that one. Okay. You may find that it's more effective. So shaving foam, any kind of soap, but particularly shaving foam seems to be particularly good. Okay. One last question that has come in, and it's a, it's a reasonably familiar one, actually. Um, you see people still, this started during lockdown when we were all confined to our two kilometres, but I still see it happening. People will step out onto the road to avoid passing somebody on, on the footpath, just in case anybody should sneeze or cough as you're passing them. Does it take a period of time in someone's company to get infected? Or if you are unfortunate enough to pass someone as they sneeze or cough, could you be in trouble? In theory, that you could. Now, I mean, it's the 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 virus is easily transmissible, but but gener- generally, it takes fifteen minutes. I mean, the the, the, the close contact is defined as fifteen minutes of, of contact within within two minutes two minutes sorry between within two meters before you become a risk contact that needs to be screened. So, the the risk of somebody passing you on the footpath. Uh, who uh, is infected and of them infecting you by coughing or sneezing on you is extremely small and much smaller than uh, getting knocked down by a car I would suggest if you're you know if you're if it's in the busy road so uh, I, I think it's quite appropriate if when we're out and about walking to uh, if you're walking in a suburban area that you can uh, step into a if it's a suburban housing estate with no cars uh, well and good you should maintain two metres distance when you're passing in opposite direction. But obviously, you've got to cut your cloth to measure. And if it's a narrow footpath and a busy road, it's not safe to do that. And, and, yeah. and just basically, you keep your distance as best you can while maintaining the, the normal uh, rules of road safety uh, and making sure that you don't get hit by a car. Yeah, that, that could be a, a distinct <laughs> side effect. Uh, Dr. Bullen, just keep you for another moment or two because questions are coming in. Kevin's on Twitter. He wants to know what is to be done for an asthmatic who can't wear a mask on a long shift at work. What are their options? Uh, well, I would... The, 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 it's a, this is a commonly occurring scenario in general practice that, uh, that that people are seeking exemptions for masks at work because of respiratory conditions. I would argue that, by and large, that it's all the more reason why uh, if somebody... Uh, that with any specific person or patient that, uh, that if someone's got a chronic respiratory condition it's all the more reason why they should wear a mask and all of the evidence the World Health Organization has, has actually produced a position recently is, is that masks do not uh, while they're, they, people may find them subjectively difficult to wear they don't reduce your, uh, your oxygen levels they don't increase your carbon monoxide levels and they don't impair your breathing. Yeah. So, and, and, and uh, like, I like. There's all an awful lot knowledge. of online nonsense going around about nonsense. that. Absolute nonsense. And, and, and uh, we've all had GPs have been holding the line quite firmly in terms of people looking for letters of exemption. There are very, very few situations that, that responsible GPs will write letters to exempt people from wearing masks in the work environment, particularly if they've got a long-term uh, chronic uh, medical condition, including asthma, because those people are at more risk if they get the virus. So it's, it's, it's even more important that so unless people, there are very specific groups that people that have, you know, people that may have uh, sensory issues like autism and so on. There are there are just very very defined areas. But by and large, uh, the reasons that people come to us looking for exemptions from wearing masks, they don't stand up to medical scrutiny, and we we generally will be politely declining the request for those yeah. starts because they're 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 not properly in, in the patient's own interest. What about COPD, Ronan? Because that is a chronic lung condition, as you know, and a lot of people seem to suffer from it. Um, and I have a comment here about a person with COPD minding children 
uh, two days a week, should they wear a mask when they deal with, when they have the children with them? Uh, um, well, in the first place, it's, 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 anybody who's got COPD, by and large, it's an older demographic. Uh, not always, but the, the large majority of people that have COPD are over 55, over 60. Um, so they're automatically uh, at dual higher risk of, of COVID because they're in an older age group and because they have COPD. So um, they need to be very careful um, in terms of their own health. Uh, if they're minding small kids, small kids, the, the evidence in terms of small children transmitting COVID is relatively weak. You're uh, you're much more likely to to pick up COVID from a teenager, and much more likely again to pick a t- COVID up from an adult. But I think, uh, to be honest with you, I think if a patient of mine were looking after uh, looking after small children, I'd probably prefer that they were wearing a mask okay. if, if there wasn't a very good reason not to do so. Okay. And lastly and briefly, Dr. Boland, um person listening to us this morning uh, about the visors in particular, uh, my daughter's school has them wearing visors only. Uh, they're not two metres apart. Should I question this with the school or the teacher? Um, well, again, the I'm, I, I'm the Department of Education guidelines are brand new. I'm, I will confess that I'm not intimately familiar with them. Uh, I, I'm, I, I am aware that uh, different schools have adopted different policies. My own daughter's, uh, I have one daughter's school, and then their school, they're all wearing masks. But I know that's not certainly. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's reasonable to question what it's based on that. But uh, but I, my understanding, and I am open to correction on, on this, is that the Department of Edu- the guidelines supplied by the Department of Education to schools does allow some discretion and I suspect that the use of visors uh, falls within you know, meeting the, the criteria that they've set down but I'm open to correction on that. Okay, listen, thank you so much for your time this morning. Do appreciate it. Dr. Ronan Boland from Cork. The message is wear your mask properly. Thanks, Ronan. Your message is wear your mask properly. Put it up over your nose and down over your chin. Visors, look, if you must, you must, but they're nothing like as hand or as useful as masks. They provide nothing like the protection of a mask. And in general, the good doctor tells us that most people can wear a mask and that there are people seeking exemptions that really don't need them. I know that won't sound good to some folks, but that is the medical truth. Uh, there's a WhatsApp group of girls from Dublin had a COVID party to see how many they could infect. Oh, sweet divine Lord. Right, a caller knows someone with very poor eyesight finds it difficult to wear a mask. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I hate the bloody things. I absolutely do. Like the your breath blowing up into your eyes or anything like that or the, the, the nose piece. Of, it's, it's uncomfortable, it is, but we have to do it. Carla said the bloody things shrink in the wash as well. I paid 15 quid for two in Sam McCauley's and you wouldn't put them on a chihuahua. <laughs> I took them out of the wash and they're only washed once at 30 degrees. Uh, I PJ was in a cake shop. Assistants are now wearing visors as the breading cakes are being handled under the visors. A cough and a sneeze goes directly downwards. Also, cakes on top of the counter are unprotected from hands and uh, bad mask wearers. I never took notice of these things pre-COVID. Bear says, morning PJ, I don't mind, don't have a clue how to wear them. I told a few men, try wearing your jocks like that and see how long you last. Tracy is the one worried about the school. I'm delighted to hear the item about the 
the visors. And Siobhan in St. Luke's says she's horrified when she sees deli workers wearing visors. Surely they're more likely to breathe onto your food if they're breathing straight down. It would be more hygienic if they weren't wearing anything on their face. I'm going to make another prediction. I made a prediction during the summertime, and I think I'm right, that there's a lot of now fashion-conscious matching masks to be had with jumpers and jeans and sweatshirts and blouses and whatever you're wearing yourself, right? There's all sorts of different fabrics being used and patterns being used. So that if you're wearing an outfit, you can get a, a, a mask to match. I'm going to make a prediction and I can see it happening, right? If it doesn't necessarily happen straight away, if the schools get back and settled and everything's all right, you'll eventually end up with the school mask. You will end up in the school mask, in the school colours, with the school crest. And guess what? There'll be only one place to buy them, and they'll be about 50 quid each. Trust me, they'll do it. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Junction, Vickers Road, Supermarket, Solid Fuel Depot, and a self-service laundrette. Your one stop for everything. Dear, just says, good morning, PJ. I'm obviously behind the times here. Good morning, PJ, says Deirdre. School masks already exist. They were in the school care pack. Yes, the crest is on them. Oh, sweet as divine. Can schools resist the urge to put their blasted crest on everything? They'll be on your jocks next going to school. That's the daftest thing I've ever heard. It really, really is. Although I did hear another one over the weekend talking to a friend where the children are wearing masks going to school and explicitly it has to be a plain mask, plain colour, and preferably it would be in the colour close to the colours of the school. Now, I'm thinking to myself, it's hard enough to prepare it to sort of persuade a child to wear a mask, to want to wear a mask. Children can be uncomfortable wearing a mask. Would you not let them wear whatever they want? And who cares if a Batman mask is what Johnny wants to wear? If he'll keep the blaster thing on, where's the problem? Or am I mad? 1850-715-996. Kevin's not too happy with Dr. Boland's response to the asthmatics question. I'd suggest, Kevin, that go to your own doctor. Get a recommendation from them. Now, we've been looking at the cases and the case numbers in Cork over the last couple of weeks, and we've noted that they're on the up. Um, now, we have also noted that the numbers in hospital are still very small, and I'll be getting to that and other matters with my next guest. But just to take a look at the official figures as we tee up uh, Dr. Emma Hodcraft, who's become known as the virus chaser, or the virus hunter. I'll talk to her in just a moment. But the 14-day official figures, the latest ones available from the hub, and I know that the NEFIT details come out every evening, but I only take the 14-day figures from the hub once they're distributed in there. So the last one that's available is for last Saturday, the 29th of August, and that was 43. So in the 14 days up to last August, or last Saturday, the 29th of August, here in Cork, City and County, we had 43 new cases. Go back to July 29th, a month previous, and the fortnightly figure was 12. Go back to June 29th, lads. June 29th, and the fortnightly figure was one. One case. We really had a grip on it at the end of June. Now we've got 43. We're doing a lot better than other parts of the country, but we still do need to watch ourselves. And back in April, in mid-lockdown, in Cork, in the 14 days up to April 29th, we had 109. Now, 
what we're being told day to day is that most of the cases now are occurring in younger people. Most of the cases are occurring in people whose health is a general health is good. They're better able to battle it, better able to fight it. Uh, our elderly so far are are not feeling the worst of this second wave of cases. And in general, the hospitals are coping and the numbers in the hospitals are very small compared to where they were during the lockdown. Now, Dr. Emma Hodcroft has become known through her um, social media presence and her research into the data and the spread of the virus. She's become known as the virus hunter. Emma, good morning to you. Good morning. Happy to be here. We're looking at the second, I hate to use the term second wave, but the second, the, the, the minor surge of cases that we're going through in Cork at the moment. And nationally, we're well up on, on two months ago. The statistics that we get every day indicate that most of the people getting them now are young, fit and healthy. And for the most part, will shake it off relatively easy. The concern is it'll get back in among the most vulnerable. Do you think it will? So I think this is something that's getting a lot of attention right now, and it is an important question. If we could continue with just young people getting the virus, as we are right now, there's still a lot of concern about the long-term effects of COVID and some recent research that shows the virus might attack other internal organs. So that alone is, is, is worth keeping our eye on. But you're right, it certainly doesn't have the same effect on hospitalizations and deaths as when it gets into older populations. However, when we look at other places where this has happened, so a really good example is in much of the south in the United States, they also had a surge in cases after reopening that were mostly in young people. And this led to a bit of complacency in that people didn't think that that it would get so bad, for example. Unfortunately, the cases did start moving into more vulnerable populations and hospital and deaths did start to increase and they had quite a bad wave kind of in July. So I do think we need to keep in mind that as a society, we generally don't keep just to people with our own age, you know, matching our our own ages and the more young people get the virus the higher we run that risk that it will um, overspill into more vulnerable populations now you you're based in, in 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 switzerland and i think your your research emma is into mutations of the virus and and there was a it was kind of a, a water cooler theory going around certain places last week that well this second strain is is weaker and and doesn't do as much harm. Is there any truth in that at all? So you're right. This is a really appealing theory and I understand why a lot of people would like this to be true because it would be such a relief for so many of us. Unfortunately, you're right. So, So my job is to look at the mutations of the virus as it moves around the world and we don't see any indication that the virus has changed. The way that we look at this is we can actually look at the type of mutations and what we call the diversity of the virus. So, so how it falls in the, in the worldwide distribution of viruses, you might say. And we can see what that looked like during that first spring peak, so in March and April. And then we can look at what that looks like now. And essentially, it's the same viruses circulating. So we really don't see any indications at all that the virus itself has changed. Instead, it's our own precautions in, in hand washing, mask wearing, and being careful that have made the spread much slower. And then it's a difference in who's getting the virus. More young people who are less likely to have a severe outcome. 
I spoke to another expert earlier on in the pandemic, Emma, and, and what he said to me was that, yes, again, it must be stressed that for the most part, for most people, this will be a relatively mild illness. That's not the concern. The concern is the voraciousness which with this, it, this thing spreads. And that is what took the epidemiological community and the public health community, it, it, it took them off guard a little bit, just how voracious this thing is. Yes, so this is definitely true. It's, it's a bit confusing if you look at the numbers for, for sometimes some people, because yes, if, if you just look, the virus, you know, most people who get it, they won't die and they won't need hospitalization. The problem is if everybody gets this virus, then, you know, 1% of a big number is, is a really big number. And so that's the hard part is that this spreads so quickly and so kind of undercover, you know, people spread it without even having symptoms that we can very quickly get to a point where you enough people have it that we start seeing these these cases where people do die they are seriously ill and even in young people we see those rare cases where people die or are seriously ill that's why it's so important to keep the numbers low so that one percent of a very small number is a very small number another theory that's tossed out quite frequently is well look why not just let it take its course among those of us who can handle it let it take its course and we'll get herd immunity is there any evidence from your research to indicate that that's the case. So I would say quite the opposite. The, the data that we have from epidemics around the world is that this is really not a very wise course of action to take. Again, I can see why it's appealing because it sounds like we could maybe get this over with and then return to normal life. But the truth is in places that have had really bad outbreaks, so Italy and New York, we've seen the effect that this has on hospitals and on, on social and mental well-being, the economy and deaths. It's really bad. Those places, um, often they only have about 20 or 30 percent um, antibodies right now so that shows they weren't even at herd immunity and they suffered such costs the other thing to keep in mind is that it's just not that easy to isolate our population people really underestimate the number of people in society who are at risk for this virus of course not all of them will have a bad outcome but we don't know which person with a heart condition or which person with diabetes could have a bad outcome and people tend to think that it's just you know just the over 80s if we could just put them somewhere which of course in itself is not not really so realistic, but really it's lots of people who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s who have other conditions that are not that rare. They're at a real risk of this virus and we can't isolate all of them. Can I ask you about Sweden because it's it's held up there into the light because of the Tegnell approach that the epidemiologist took. He kept the, most of the country open. They didn't do a lockdown. They went for a kind of herd immunity. Many people now argue that Sweden has demonstrated that you can do it. Is that a myth? I think you really have to look at what Sweden did. So for one thing, there's a, there's a big perception of how open Sweden remained. They did remain much more open than, than much of Europe, but they, they still had strict restrictions on, on what you could do, how you could go out to eat. Most people were working from home and a lot of children were staying at home. It's not too different from what happened, for example, in Switzerland where I live. Now they actually have more restrictions in place still than we do in Switzerland where we're essentially open and back to normal. Unfortunately, they still really suffered from this. I think it's, it's put into, into a bit of a false context because we make direct comparisons between very populous countries like the UK you know, and, and, and Sweden, which isn't quite correct. But this virus really ravaged through their nursing homes. They were not able to protect that vulnerable population, which is the, the kind of theory that we just spoke about, where you protect the elderly and let it go through everyone else. They had a huge number of deaths. 
And we look at how they fared compared to other Nordic countries or, or fairer Scandinavian countries, their economy still actually suffered quite deeply because the impact of the virus itself, the fear of the virus and the behavior change that comes from trying to stop yourself getting the virus itself has a really deep impact on the economy. So I don't think that Sweden showed us a magic way to get out of this. So they did show, as we did in Switzerland, that you can sometimes get the cases down without a full lockdown if you can act quickly. A couple of um, other brief questions for you. One is on population density. I don't know how familiar you are with the geography of Ireland, but our capital, Dublin, and its neighbouring county, Kildare, have been two of the worst affected. They're two of the densest populations. Can we tie them together? I do think that population density probably does play a role. How easily people are able to get into uncrowded outside spaces, how likely people are living in multi-generational households where one person is likely to infect many others, these are really important aspects to consider. And this does seem to pass on to other areas, like, for example, New York, which is obviously very dense and had a very bad outbreak in in the spring. Lastly, and I know that because of your research into the virus, you you probably know its structure more intimately than most at this stage. We know that there are many, many searches going on for a vaccine, about a half a dozen of them proving to be very optimistic. Is there a chance at all, Dr. Hodcroft, that we will get a virus or get a vaccine rather that will just take this thing out? So I'm I'm an optimist. I'm not a vaccinologist, but I am an optimist. And I think that the amount of work that's gone into this and the amount of progress that's been made is incredibly encouraging. I still do think that we'll be able to get a good vaccine for this virus. I think the trouble is, is it's not going to come as quickly as people have been sometimes um, hopeful that it will. So I, I do think the testing stages for these vaccines are really important to make sure it's safe and effective. And they take a long time. Even when we get one, we're going to have to produce millions of doses and distribute those around the world. So it's not something that's going to happen overnight. I do think we're going to have to get through this winter without a vaccine, which is why we need to be really careful with what we're doing right now. But I am hopeful that next year we'll get a vaccine so that we can all move ahead from this virus. Okay, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I hope to do so again sometime. Thank you very much. That's Dr. Emma Hodcroft, based in Switzerland. She's known as the virus hunter. She left to bust a few myths about it. We'll catch up with her again. 1850 I want to go to Maragrazia. Uh, you Good morning to you, Margrazia. Hi. Hello. Hi. You you came home to Ireland from Italy, is that right? Yes. So tell me what happened. It happened that, number one, Italy is in the green list, and I've been asked gently from the school to not uh, let my daughter go to school, uh, although I said she was... Uh, we were in a, in a, on the green list. Italy is a green country, but yeah. uh, they said we would prefer. Of course, I, uh, it is against the law, in my opinion, but uh, I didn't want to, to insist because I don't like to have that kind of uh, attitude and to, to approach uh, a nice school that I love, actually. But and I understand this, but it doesn't make any sense if the the the, the following school instead uh, accepted uh, the people that they were with me on the same flight in Italy. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but your daughter's school wanted you to keep her at home for an additional two weeks, just in case, as it were. Just in case, for precaution. Okay, it is for precaution. Also, the same people on the same my flight had to stay at home. You know, the school, the principals, they can't decide one something and the other one the other thing. 
Yeah. We should be, you know, united in a, in a one decision. I've been uh, uh, gently asked, uh, we would prefer if your daughter can stay at home uh, for precaution. Although I said, but she was in the green country. But I know that the, the, besides there is another school, I don't want to talk about where am I in this moment. Sorry about that. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I don't want to make any troubles and uh, you know yeah. it's just uh, just just you speak. think not every school has the same policy Margrazzi, is that it no but number one if italy is in the green list why then we do we act differently of course if you're asking me gently what do you think would you stay at home and i will because you, you ask me and I'm not able to say no. And did you say but, to the school, well, I've come from a green list country. Yes, Why? I said. I what? said, and I know the school, they are lovely. They're lovely people. And I also don't want to put in a discomfort people that maybe, you know, on uh, the text that I had yesterday uh, on the notice board on Facebook, so many people were on my side, but it's not to be on my side or no. If there is a green list, Let's focus, let's stay on the green list. Otherwise, uh, I know that if I have my neighbor, for instance, that is old and can be panicking like my mother-in-law now in Italy that she doesn't open to anyone at the door, although the situation in Italy is COVID-free because yesterday on 70,000 millions of people, six dead people of COVID. At least what do they want to say that is COVID? We don't know any uh, information about these six people. We know that yesterday, the 31st of yeah. August in Italy, on 70,000 million of people, six people six died people of COVID. Died, yeah. De definitely they've and got it very much under control over there now. Yeah, the day before there were four. The day, three, three days before, it was only one. So we are shutting down a country of 70,000 people and we are talking only about COVID. And we don't want to mention about uh, uh, so many other diseases. Are we joking? It's ridiculous. You know, I was also in holiday because my family is there and I went to Italy because my mother, my mother-in-law, my relatives are there. My son is going to start the school um, in Italy for his transition year. Is a, is, is a very good music school because my son, he plays violin, and yeah. he's studying violin and uh, piano. So we thought that it was a good idea. And also because now it's basically COVID-free because I, I repeat you the, the date, but it's not something that I say. If you go online, you research and you see the graphic, it's boom. It's, yeah. And I want to tell you something, two weeks ago, I was in Tuscany. We have a camp of, um no, not a camp van, is another way, is a caravan. Yeah. And is in a campsite in Tuscany by the beach. You couldn't walk on the beach. I didn't go to the beach because uh, there was no space. There was no space to walk, to stay in the water. There was no space in the night to go outside. And how could I have said to my son, be careful? And, you know, you couldn't even walk on yeah. the pedestrian uh, uh, Walkways. So, 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 come back because the, the time is going to catch me, Margaret. You, you are keeping your daughter home from school for another fortnight, but you just don't know why.
school ask me i don't want to i don't want to be cheeky i know that actually is against the law because italy is in the green country <laughs> and i know that some other schools people that they flew with me on the they were able to let their children go they back. were accepted yeah. because yeah. it's normal well, we'll, a- we'll ask our listeners if anybody else has had that experience. Mara Grazia, thank you very much and uh, love talking to you. Thanks, thanks so much for that. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the British weather people and news people are going to have such fun if we get to it. God, hope we don't. With Storm Saivine. <laughs> S-A-D-H-B-H-I-N Storm They'll choke themselves <laughs> I hope we don't get there Aiden is our for Why do they change now? I don't know They just do I think they change them coming into winter So we got up as far as Francis This year And our next one is Aiden, Then Bella Then Christoph, Then Darcy Then Evert Then Fleur Then Gavin Then Helwyn that's a Welsh one, I'd say. But if we get to Saivine, it'll be great fun to listen to all, to all the British forecasters. 1850-715-996. Text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. We've been contacted by a pub um, appealing to people who are coming in to use the facilities as pubs are providing at the moment, food, holding. Please be nice when you do. And please be nice when we say we can't accommodate you because we are abiding by rules that we didn't make, but we have to follow. That's coming up in a little while. But first of all, let's look at these parties. And there was a story that broke over the weekend about, first of all, this party on Connacht Avenue where smoke was seen coming from the house. The guards call the fire brigade and subsequently it's found to be a smoke machine at a house party. Now, it wasn't students. It was adults. But the number has been released then by the uh, Residents' Association, the um, Magazine Road Residents' Association, that more than 200 house parties were held in the area across the summer. Uh, that's, I take it, including students and adults. And the residents also want now, with new leasing arrangements and letting agreements, for the houses in the area, they want a strict no house parties clause written in uh, to all agreements. Catherine Clancy, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Chairperson morning. of the association. Who did the count on the parties, Catherine? Well, I suppose, you know, um, when we were in court uh, during the summer there, you know, with uh, Faulkner O'Reilly, the landlord, what was very clear to us um, is the is it that we kept records on the amount of times that we rang the guards or contacted the landlord to how many parties to be there. But we were aware of that, like, you know, ourselves to do something like that. So as residents, uh, since the 23rd of May, we've been keeping, I suppose, an ad hoc um, record. <clears throat> we have a WhatsApp group, and this is the information that came into the WhatsApp groups, uh, PJ, is that since the 23rd of May and it's not a comprehensive one because there's parts around UCC that nobody would ring about because there's no residents left there, you know. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> the areas, I suppose, we'd be talking probably from about near Bendemere Park down as far as uh, maybe Co- uh, Connex Avenue. Mm-hmm. Which about is a square mile, isn't it? Really? Yeah, 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 roughly. So mm-hmm. in that area, like we had a total of, uh, re- reported back to us, of 221 uh, house parties 
Um, 127 residents confirmed that they called the guards. Yeah. Uh, residents contacted landlords 93 times if they knew their number because that's another issue, finding out who owns the houses. And the number of individual houses individual house involved in these house parties was 221. By what kind uh, of, by what criteria did you define a party? If it, if it was uh, loud enough to keep somebody awake or that they had to ring the guards. So it wasn't the case of, you know, there's only six people in next door ah, and tonight no. they've ten. We, 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 would, we, we put up with so much here, um, you know, uh, PJ, if that was the case, we would be um, being quite comfortable with that. Yeah. What did you, you know think what, what happened at Connacht Avenue Saturday night where it now turns yeah. out it was adults, not the students who yeah. were getting a hard time all summer? Well, I suppose what it looks, because go back to the whole area of legislation around rented properties and non-regulation, like, you know, um, that a house was allowed to be in that condition all summer with the windows boarded up and a concern around rubbish for residents and, you know, no action taken on it. No, hold on, I'm uh, talking about the party Saturday night where they discovered it was a smoke machine, not a fire. Yeah, yeah, but that's the particular house I'm talking about. That house was boarded up all summer with uh, plastic across the windows. Right. Nobody could look in there. And do we know and, how it got rented out? In that um, condition? I don't. And how? And how? Even that uh, any landlord left his house continued to appear in that condition. Like what checking is done? Like of a property after it is rented out, you know. Mm. And, uh, and was contract, it done through Airbnb or was it done through the landlord or who did? Well, it's it? a, yeah, I believe it's the same landlord that we were in court with. Um, uh, teacher. Well, I, I, unless we're certain of that now, I wouldn't be saying it. I know? believe it, yes. I believe so, yeah. That he owns that property as well. Right, right. Yeah. And it was a, a large number of adults. I believe so. I, do, I see, I, I don't really know much about that, only what I heard from myself on the media about it. Do you know what I mean? So, but that um, wasn't in your WhatsApp group, Kent? Um, it didn't come in as a party, you know. It didn't come in as a party. We didn't have a party there. What there was, what did come to our attention about that house was the rubbish. Right. Yeah, but it didn't come to our attention. So your, what's, your WhatsApp group, I'm just confused, your WhatsApp yeah. group was watching the parties all summer. Yeah, all yeah. summer, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. the one that the guards actually called the fire brigade to, that didn't mm. turn up in the WhatsApp group? It it would, I suppose, it, it would appear there yesterday, but it didn't appear, on, it, it didn't appear because it isn't a part, it wasn't a party that we drew our attention. We, there was no, nobody rang us in Connacht Avenue. That's what I'm saying. There's parties happening all over the place right. that we don't know about. But like, what I'm saying, out of the 221, PJ, like, of the parties that took place here over the last 12, 13 weeks, if there was an average of 30 people, which would be a small number at any of these parties, that meant there were six, a minimum, of 6,000 young people who ignored and any recommendations around mm. COVID-19 uh, in our area. And, and, and interestingly, we don't seem to have any mm. clusters coming out of there. No, and that's interesting as well because I suppose the numbers in Cork are still small and the majority of people who rent to these houses in the summertime here were uh, very local. They came from the next parish. Maybe it meant they were careful, Catherine. Maybe no, they were not, very careful. Well, could you... Well, I suppose... Let you be that I couldn't imagine 30 or 40 no, people... just suggested that, you know, they, they, oh, yeah. they minded yeah. themselves, they washed their hands. Well, they, what we witnessed today, it wasn't like, you know. Yeah. But I suppose what we're calling for, I suppose, at this stage, uh, PJ, is that we've put down a terrible summer. This, these numbers stand for themselves and these are only a small cohort of a, a one particular area surrounding UCC. And what we want is we want legislation. We want legislation, we want the government now to bring in legislation that we will feel safe in our communities and that like, you know, that 6,000 people cannot walk around our area ignoring regulations. So well, what do you, you want know, put into the lease? 
Well, first of all, we want the lease that the landlord, uh, that there's no parties uh, take place in those houses. But it's more than that. Now, the landlords, are, landlords, some are great and some students have been fantastic all summer here. But for the cohort and, you know, the landlords that rented out these houses and didn't care about the community, didn't care about the condition of those, didn't care who was inside them, for the 6,000 people who parties in our area during the summertime, we think that warrants legislation. Like, we've had 165 pubs in the whole of the country, pubs come restaurants who um, were seen to be not compliant with rules and regulations and the government was able to bring in immediate legislation to uh, uh, to make that stronger. Mm. We as a community for 13 weeks have suffered in, in just one kilometre of an area 221 lockdown house parties. We live in the, in the Taoiseach's constituency. We need somebody to be talking now on our behalf to bring forward the legislation. What has happened to us is wrong it can't continue, and it's nothing other than legislation will uh, put. What in kind it. of legislation? What, what we want? want legislation is that, like you know, that if there is um, house parties there, that the guardie will be given powers that are enforceable, that they can actually move on. In fairness, the guards would. Well, come under out the Public them. Health Act of 1947, as we discussed yesterday with Tony McGillicuddy, mm. the, ba- the barrister, yeah. the, the guards had the powers all summer long we under the Public that. Health Act. We checked that and we checked that with the HSE and what they told us, and this is where we're falling between stools when they're all arguing, we're suffering, is that what we were told was is that there would have to be a known outbreak in the house for them to move in under that act. Not a prevention, but a known outbreak. That's, that was, that was up with you. That's the feedback we got from the HSE on that. Right. So under the 1947 yeah. Act, mm. which was, was mm. particularly, specifically mm. drawn up... We did to, look at it. Right. We did look at it, yeah. yeah. And like we, were, we got great heart when we heard about it, but when we were told, no, there has to be an outbreak, and the HSE and the guards then have the power to move into right. that house. So, so you yeah. want basically anyone renting in your yeah. area mm. to be specifically banned from having a house party? Exactly, exactly. Is it a house party of more, more than X number or just any kind well, of party? Well, first of all, Robbie wants them to be as compliant with the COVID-19 regulations that says that you shouldn't have more than six people into right. your house from one house. Like, well, you see, that, be- that, that wasn't, that, that's, only, that's only six since the other day. It was 15 for a long time. Yeah, but even if we had the 15, it wouldn't have been the problem. It wouldn't have caused the problems that, that yeah. we had. You see, but these houses, to start with, I suppose, PJ, where we're coming from here is they're multi-lets. It's a business. And yeah. if you were to open a kennel in the morning to mind dogs, you'd have rules and regulations. Very true. This whole area has no rules and regulations. You can rent a house. You don't have to be um, set any standards. There is no licensing for you to become a landlord. And if you run a, a, a bad ship, there's no consequences. So, like what we're saying, these houses in particular, I'll give you an example. You now, there's just one house here now near us, and it'll take 10 students in the next couple of days. Some of them will be sharing a room sharing a room in the COVID-19 lockdown and um, we really have concerns as well about what deep cleaning took place between these ho- in these houses between the lets that were there in the summer and the new people going in. Okay. The whole area is all unregulated and then you'll have people coming into the ten, 10 different families already inside the house with 10 different students coming from every corner of the country and then if they were to bring uh, another 10 or 20 in on top of that. Okay. Like it's just a breeding ground. We've put up enough. Have you have you sought a meeting with? Seeing as you're in his constituency, we actually didn't ask for a meeting prior to this, but we are asking for a meeting from today onwards. We will be writing and asking for that and forwarding these figures as well. 
you know, but we did uh, request um, during the summer and in the last couple of weeks that legislation is the only um, answer to what's happening here when people have ignored what okay. uh, the COVID-19 okay. regulation We'll follow and see where that comes. Just Listen, uh, Pete, yeah, one, one last question, Catherine. Mm-hmm. Do you remember we, you were on with me a few weeks ago after... Uh, a number of men um, terrified the life out of yes. young women renting yeah. a house, mm. throwing bottles into the yeah. into the hall and all of that. Did yeah. you ever find out who was behind that? We never did, but we did have to contact the landlord again about three days later because there was more bottles again accumulated in the garden and they were removed. And that landlord, now we've built a very good relationship with him yeah. and we don't seem to have any more problems. The, accumula- the accumulation of bottles is one thing, but someone coming yeah. in and kicking Actually, in the door and throwing them into the hallway was disgraceful, Catherine, and kicking open doors and frightening the life out of young women. Young women, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did leave a message that day for those young women to make contact because we as a community were very upset but we didn't hear anything back from those young women. But that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. What I'm saying is like, we as residents, 100%, we have enough to deal with um, BJ enough to deal with without you know having some kind of acts like that happening in our community All you know right. we're working very hard to uh, remain living here but we need the support of UCC we need support of our legislators to support us and give us back our night's sleep and give us back our community Fair enough. All right, Catherine, thank you very much. 1850 Catherine Clancy, the chair of the Magazine Road Residents Association they want legislation passed to prevent the kind of parties that they say they have been uh, suffering with all summer. Uh, Tony says, hi PJ, get they want to protect themselves, but can the government really do this? Is this not an extreme measure of control? Tom says the woman's trying to get across that their rowdies causing a big problem. Forget about COVID, you're not helping her, and she's trying to get help. Uh, Patricia says that, oh, okay, but that's a Okay, oh yeah, here's Tony. Tony, you're in Denroach's Cross near Magazine Road. Yeah, just uh, on the junction there by Sissy Young's there, you know? Okay, okay. And what have you observed across the summer? Well, on the 23rd, I'll give you an example there. On the 23rd, I have it all written down, logged. Uh, the people next door, it's on the junction there. I won't give you the number. And I, I won't quote the number because... Better not. It's on the junction there, okay. opposite the supermarket there. Okay, okay. And uh, there was the people next door. They had a ghetto blaster on half four in the morning. Half four, I looked out the window. There was about 15 people leaving the house. And it didn't stop at that. At seven o'clock in the morning, that ghetto blaster was still going. No, it happened. It is you could hear the thump, thump. The walls of my house were rocking. The a couple of nights later, the, this kind of thing was headed down a bit. I I went out at seven o'clock in the morning. I asked them to, to, to oh, you didn't realise this? Trying to give an apology. Two or three nights later, again, thump, thump, thump again. So. I that on the previous night I did call the Gardaí, but I did did I didn't see them. Did it probably passed on or didn't turn up? Mm. Two or three nights later, um, I phoned the Gardaí again, and uh, I phoned the Gardaí. The Gardaí turned up, and uh, this it was around twelve o'clock, and I said this ain't gonna happen again. 
So the Gardaí turned up to be one o'clock in the morning, I'd say. And uh, the Gardaí knocked at the door and they wanted to know who owned the house. Uh, the, the owner of the house refused. It was a silence. Then was outside the door, blocking the traffic. Uh, the person in charge of the house kind of refused to come out for for a while. He sent another somebody else out. So, at the end of the day, anyhow, I found out the landlord's number, mm-hmm. phone number. Yeah. And I, the Gardaí and myself counted. I was standing there counted 15, 20 people leaving that house. Yeah. And pre- the previous time, there was at least 15 as well. And these people weren't going to stop, like, they were fucking tubs, you know? Yeah, easy now. On. Sorry. Easy now, bye. I understand. I understand. I understand that you're cross, right? I do. I do. And I, and I, you know what? I, I I don't want to come across as being on on anybody's side here. I I I want to come across as looking at this as neutrally as I can. Um. And and no doubt there was a problem up there, and you certainly had a problem. Would you support legislation that anyone renting a house around you can't have a party? I look. I, I want to say something now, PJ. Before he. If people keep it down, keep it quiet. But I mean, what happens? You get students, you get the herd instinct. The people in the house could be as nice as pie. But they let people in and, they, you know, you get the herd instinct. But I'd like to say something now. I did ring the landlord of that house. Yes. And uh, the second I the, I had four incidents... I, I would recommend the only way to do it is I would recommend I the second I time as I rang the landlord straight up to his own hat there time. It was about three in the morning. I phoned the landlord and the landlord phoned them and it stopped. But I would recommend ring the landlord regardless of the time. Yes. Yes. And I reckon that will put a stop to it. Now, it's 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 not alone here. It's Stonebend and Road and places like that. Yes. They're just disregarding things they're pitching, you know? And, and to be fair, the guards have better things to be doing than to go and knocking on doors. Yeah. But, but no. do you think, though, that, as Captain Clancy says, there needs to be legislation so that anyone leasing a house there should have it written in there, no parties? No parties, yep. No, I've had problems with tenants in the house previous. And I went out to UCC and I made a, a written statement. And as far as I know, they were fined by UCC. Yeah. But it, it, it was stopped. UCC stopped it. Yeah. But I mean, the people that were there at present, UCC, I understand mm-hmm. UCC. Have not you see, to do some, with of, that. some of them, some of them aren't going to UCC at all, and some of them aren't yeah. going to CIT at all, and some of them are adults that come under the. Uh, control of no of no of no college, do you know? So what do right, you do then? You see, what's after happening? No, it's party time. They can't they can't tra- they can't travel, and a big bunch of them came from Limerick and all over the place. And Cork was a uh, Cork was El Paso for them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Is it easing down any bit, Don? It stopped. The landlord stopped us. 
as I said, no, the last time, no, I rang the landlord and it was around, it was starting maybe around 12 o'clock, maybe 12 o'clock and I heard the thump, thump, thump. So, it was half four in the morning and I picked up the phone, I rang the landlord and within five minutes there was a silence. Yeah. Yeah. But I it's would recommend easy to people in... ring the landlord. I mean, and the land, I'd yeah. be fair to the landlord now. He was as upset as I was over it, you know? Yeah. Like, it's possible, I suppose, to put into a, a lease a clause about loud music, for example. I mean, I, I only know that because I remember staying somewhere on, on holidays a number of years ago, and there was a very strict music curfew. Music outside the house had to stop at 10.30pm, no matter who you were. You could do something like that and put a curfew on people. But you see, if five, if, if five people are staying in a house and they want to have a dinner party and have five or six more people over, and it, you know, you can't. Can you have a complete ban on parties and gatherings? Is that fair? Would you do that in a private estate? Well, you know, I don't mind if people are quiet and people go and have a meet together or something like that. Or keep it quiet. But I mean, what has happening here is. It's student land. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't know when to stop when they meet with the herd instinct. This is the problem. Now, I have it stipulated. I went out with my made a statement to UCC on previous occasions that no parties. And the, the person, Gary, the person in charge of the accommodation, UCC, stipulated that the students moving in there. But you see, when UCC have some control, they can exercise it. But when they don't, they, they can't. You see, that's the they, have, they haven't here now with this group, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, at least UCC is stepping up to the mark in some shape or form. And landlords, like you said, if you ring them and plague them, they, they, they will do a bit. Should we go as far as legislation? That's what the magazine wrote residence people want. Thank you, Tony. That's what the magazine wrote residence people want. Should there be legislation? If you are renting a house in an area, is it acceptable to put in a no parties clause into the lease? Because that is what Catherine Clancy and the Residence Association want for all those houses up around UCC. 1850-715-996. Maragrazia was back on to me. This is Maragrazia, who is Italian, and she was over there on holidays and she came home and her daughter was due to go back to school. And even though Italy is a green zone country, she was asked by the school to keep her child at home for an additional fortnight for safety's sake for quarantine. And she couldn't understand why coming from a green country, they asked her to do that. But she did it because she doesn't want to fall out with the school. She rang me back to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, she said. It's 60 million people in Italy. I think I might have said 70,000 million. Please, can you call out that I made a mistake? Well, Mara Grazia, that's okay. You know, we that was okay. We understood that. We understood that. But nice of you to call us back. 1850-715-996. Caller says there were no clusters in College Road. The reasons why they plastic. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. He bags up against the windows was to stop the residents staring in because that's what they were doing. Also, when she was a politician, Catherine Clancy refused to take a pay cut. I won't come on air, but I think it's a setup against the students. Another caller, I live in that area. They had five parties in my street over the weekend. I counted 20 people coming out at midnight from one party. I would have called the guards, but I don't like doing that. One party did stop after we visited them although they were fearful we would call the guards, so that was a factor. The parties are mostly student-related. Those non-student parties, a lot of them are only non-student because they haven't gone to college yet or they have a job over the summer. I'd question the way they define non-student. UCC must take ownership of this. They must tie in the way you live and the way you treat your neighbours and the condition you live in with your right to attend the college, which is fine for the houses they have students, their students are in caller, but a very valid point. 1850-715-996. Cork was always party town for UL students, I'm told. They used to come down for class parties. Oh, did they now? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette, now at the Junction Vickers Road. Open every day to save you time and money. Selfservicelaundry.ie You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Drive Home, weekdays from 4. On Cork's 96FM. Hey, it's Lorraine from The Big Drive Home, and we're kicking off September in style on the show with some of the biggest celebrity interviews this week. The competition that guarantees to have you shouting at the radio, the one-second song is back. I'll have all the latest Cork traffic updates for you and the best music mix every weekday from 4 on Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833969696. On Cork's 96 FM. We come back to that. A couple of more comments coming in. Kate says it should be three strikes and you're out of college. Mm, you queue up the steps of the court, Kate. Queue up the steps of the court, so they would. 1857-15996. Quick call to feed Cork and uh, Sharon. Sharon, you've got special back-to-school packs, and I know you want to give a mention to them. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, PJ, and thanks a million for giving me the opportunity. Not about um, Our school packs only arrived this morning from the Department of Social Protection. I presume with everything being pushed out, they were late as well. Like, but they came, and they were in boxes, and they're ready to go. What, what's there in them, are- Sharon? All the school stationery that a child will need um, uh, up to first class. There's one pack up to first class and there's another uh, box that goes up to sixth class. So there's a junior and senior for primary and the secondary pack then is for for all classes in secondary. So what we want to do is anybody can have them who has children. It's a very expensive time of the year for everybody. Uh, Moreover, this year, I think with what happened with COVID and everything else, 
So um, so we're happy to give them out and we want to give them out. We want to have them all gone or the majority of them gone by the weekend because I know like kids are starting to go back this week and next week. So, yeah, we just want to give them out as quick as we can. Okay. Where does so, someone go or how does someone go about it? to facilitate that now, what we're going to do is we're going to stay here till 4.30 um, today, tomorrow. So that's Wednesday, Thursday. Or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, okay. and we'll open Saturday as well, between 10 and 4 on and, Saturday. And remind us again where you are, Sharon. And we're down the very end of Oliver Plunkett Street, in, based in Cork Church. Oh, the Cork Church there, that's yeah. where Feed Cork is. That's I take it you've Cork got is. some food packs and stuff for people are short. Yeah, we, we give, yeah, and everything now will be by appointment, PJ, because, you know, we're very conscious of, you know, how careful we have to be. Yeah. What I would suggest is if anybody can get a list of special because, especially with the secondary tax, there's a lot sure. of ways in them. So how can people know? make their appointment then? Tell them, everybody can, there's a number on our Facebook page, there's also, I'm going to give you a text-only number. Sure. It's 085 Yes. 861 Yes. 2939 Now okay. it's text-only. Okay. They can text or they can WhatsApp and they can also use Facebook Messenger. Just be patient with us. We will reply to everybody and we'll okay. make sure that they're, they go to everybody. Like, we're going to deliver them to some of the schools as well. Okay. We've had some homeschool years and teachers on so we we have plenty, but we really want to push them out over the next few days. All right, Sharon, we'll do our best to help you with that. Thanks very much. That's Sharon Mullins uh, with Feed Cork. If you want to avail of those back-to-school packs, it's text or WhatsApp only to this number. Don't call because it won't be answered. 85 861-2939. Text or WhatsApp only. 085-861-2939. If you want or you need or you know someone who needs one of those back-to-school packs, 085-861-2939. Someone will come back to you, help you to make an appointment, and then you can go and collect it. And they're open today, tomorrow, Thursday, possibly into Friday, if they still have the packs left. Or you can also find them on... Facebook, feed Cork, and send them a Facebook message, and they'll get that. Back to students, and Kieran Deneen is the former editor of the UCC Express and a current UCC student. Kieran, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. I'm back again. Indeed you are. And look, it's been a rough old summer for the residents of Magazine Road, College Road, and other such areas. Some of it student-related, some of it not. What do you make of the idea that students leasing a place to stay should have very strict regulations on partying, anything like that? Well, I mean, in theory, I kind of support the idea that students need to take responsibility, but we shouldn't get aside from the fact that we young people in general have been taking responsibility for the last six months, PJ, um, and I think that the lockdown has possibly affected them more than anyone else. Um, and I, I know you said there a minute ago that you had Tony McGillicuddy on, uh, on with you yesterday. Um, and I was reading uh, from, from that he was on RT Radio 1 as well, I think, and uh, he, he was suggesting that the party host is the person that could be liable for damages uh, should visitors to that house become infected with SARS-CoV-2. Yeah, um, what it was is I, if someone goes to your house and, and gets COVID-19 after an event at your house and it's discovered afterwards that that event had been a breach of guidelines, then under the law, they may have a case against you. That's what Tony was saying. Yeah. Um, but, but in this case, PJ, who is the party host? Is it, is it the host of the party itself or is it the landlord? 
because mm. I think this is a bit of a grey area. Um, and, and I think if there's common ground to be shared, because this is really important, because I have a lot of sympathy for uh, Catherine Clancy and, uh, and the Resident Association, probably more so than other students would. Yeah. Um, but there is, if there is common ground anywhere between the two parties, i.e. students and the Residents Association, is that they don't like landlords, <laughs> pretty much, you know, in, in general. And uh, I think there's a grey area there in terms of the landlord uh, and whether they are culpable. And I know the previous caller you had on there a second ago was was saying that, you know, if there is a party on, ring the landlord. Yeah. I wouldn't be against, I wouldn't be against that either, because yeah. it, it should be their responsibility. Um, but at the same time, it should be an PJ because the... the, the the health officials and the government are, are talking about bringing in new legislation for the gar- for the Gardaí. Yeah. Um, but I mean, uh, the AGSI General Secretary Antoinette uh, Cunningham has been all over the airways in the last couple of days saying that, uh, and I quote, any attempt to introduce law for Gardaí to enter private dwellings is fraught with, Fra- fraught with danger. It, and it's true that there's all sorts of constitutional problems. Just want to come back to something you said, uh, Kiran. You were making the point about you know young people having a hard few months of it uh, over this pandemic and others have said should they miss their J1 trips and they miss their holidays and they miss their this and they miss their that. And they did. Uh, and absolutely they did. But like, what about people who were confined to their homes for months on end. What about the elderly who who had to stay at home inside their houses for weeks on end and have loved ones leaving shopping on 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 the on the front doormat and they coming out? What about people who didn't see their grandchildren, their godparents, or their their godchildren, their aunts and uncles for months on end? They had it a bit tough, a bit tougher than the young people, didn't they? Well, I, I mean, I agree that it was very difficult for all people and I would flip that around and say, what, what about the grandchildren who couldn't see their grandparents? And there's plenty of grandchildren like myself who, who weren't able to see... Um, isn't it a small bit of aboutery, Kieran? isn't it? Well, I, I, I don't think so, PJ. I think I, I, I understand that you have to play devil's advocate here uh, and that you need to balance it on both sides. But I, I think that, uh, like, for example, myself... Um, I had a, and lots of my friends had jobs basically for the summer that were pulled um, because because of the lockdown. Yeah. And that's extremely difficult for lots of students because the summer months are crucial in terms of earning money so that they can pay for college for the year ahead. Yeah. And, and maybe that maybe that's missed a small bit because, I mean, I'm very fortunate I live in Cardline so I didn't have to have student accommodation. Um, but, uh, and I mean, not, it's not necessarily the parents yeah. That always that always covered the costs either. But hold know? on so now, the people who rented out those houses in in Magazine Road and Harry and and College Road and Connacht Avenue for the summer, they weren't going to college because college was closed. They chose to make the place party town. Yeah, well, well, that's fine. But you just said that they weren't going to college, so technically they're not students if that's the case. So. I mean, no, no, they weren't going to college at the I, moment, Kira. I'm here to defend students kind of in around UCC and CIT. I'm, I'm not here to defend every single young person in the country. No, but the point you made was that young people have had it hard. Go easy on them. Well, well, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say go easy on them. What I think PJ is is that young people and students are being made the scapegoat for this at the moment. And it's kind of uh, like, I think uh, an interesting quote, famous quote from, from Benjamin Franklin is that any, nothing in this world can be said to be certain except death and taxes. And I add to that death, taxes and student bashing. Um, without doubt, I think 
that students and young people um, need to take as much responsibility as possible. And I would suggest that it's vital that UCC and the Residents Association work together on this. But I mean, I, I'm, I'm not having this that students are the, are the people to blame. I mean, you said a second ago that there's no clusters in these houses. Yeah. Where are the clusters, PJ? The clusters are in direct provision and the meat companies, they're not. So, I mean, the government and the health... But isn't it just maybe a matter of pure luck that that didn't happen? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, now, what I would say, on the other hand, is, is that in relative terms, young people are practically invincible to the virus. They're not invincible to catching it. They're invincible to its symptoms. And we know that... And they can spread it then, you see. They can spread it. But, I mean, again, if they're going to be in student accommodation, they're going to be in student accommodation. And they're not going to be with their grandparents, etc. But there is one point I want to make. And that is, is that I understand the resident association and older people living in the area complaining about uh, noise pollution, etc. And I, I would back them in that because mm. I think uh, I can't. Like if it was my grandparents that were living on Connacht Avenue or College Road, and they were being awoken at half four in the morning from students across the road playing music, I wouldn't be happy, and I'd be the first person to try and get in contact uh, with those students and ask them, you know, what the hell are you doing? Yes. Um, but it, it should be noted that. Students have been left high and dry ever since March. And I mean, there was an acknowledgement from Simon Harris, who's now the Minister for Higher Education. And he said a couple of days ago that students were treated, quote, a bit shabbily in the last lockdown. Now, for me, that's quite an incredible statement to come out with, because it was his party and ministerial colleague, Joe mm-hmm. McHugh, that was the Minister for Education uh, at the yeah. time, and, and, and Joe was too busy um, with, with the leaving service. And, and, and I mean, like students, there was, there was no relaxation in terms of exams. Um, everything has, has kind of just followed the same path. But um, we now have a situation in UCC and in lots of other colleges where students who are taking out college and campus accommodation actually have to pay a sizable fee a couple of weeks ago to the college. Uh, I can't remember the exact figure. I think it was about two or three thousand euro for mm. the year ahead. Mm. And they, they still don't have their timetables. They have, they have no idea how much they're going to be spending physically on the campus. So, I, I mean, it's pretty outrageous to think that, in, in my opinion. Like, I have friends who live in, in places like Bantry. Yeah. So, obviously, they need to have accommodation in college. And they still don't have their, their timetable. So they might be told, oh, you're only in college one hour a week. So for the rest of the week, they're actually just going to be in the lava next door uh, on College Road or Covenant Avenue. And I think um, I think that's pretty disgraceful, you know. And, and I would back uh, uh, calls from the uh, uh, Unit Students of Ireland in, in, in suggesting that the, the fees need to be reduced. Mm. Um, but, but, but none because... of that, Kieran, and I agree with every word you've said, by the way. None of that, though, excuses keeping people awake in their houses. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But, I mean, as you just said there a minute ago, that uh, the, the people who seem to have rented houses over the summer months, you can't link them to UCC students. Not all of them, anyway, no. Well, but, I mean, like, I, I, I don't, there's no evidence. Like, until evidence and statistics come out to tell me that X percentage of people were actually... Um, UCC students, then fair enough, but but it hasn't come out, you know. Okay. And I think the um, I, I, I just I, I'm just kind of sick of this constant bashing, 
uh, before students are even opening the door to their properties, they're all, all, already being faced down with this. And again, Maybe it's because, though, Kieran, do you, and it's a valid point, before they even open the door to their property to begin the new college year, people are rearing up about it. But maybe it's because this has been going on for more than just 2020. Noisy, noisy parties. Oh, you, you, you mean historically it's, it's happened? Yeah. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, well, absolutely. But I think if you, uh, from from what I can remember, last year's uh, Rag Week and Freshers Week, uh, from what I can recall, they actually went off pretty well. And what I say oh yeah, because they're they're well controlled by the students' union and the college, and there's a big discipline yeah. program and and all that connected with them. I want to go to to Mary Kieran. Uh, thank you for that, Kieran Deneen, uh, student and a former editor of the UCC Express, making the, making the point. Let us not be coming down too hard on the students; they've had it tough as well. Fair point, Kieran. Well made, Mary. Will you hold on till I just finish an ad break? Will you do that for me? Yes, no problem. Cheers. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. The opinion line on Corks ninety six FM with the Junction Vickers Road Supermarket Solid Fuel Depot and a self service laundrette. Your one stop for everything. Access all areas on Corks ninety six FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Corks Entertainment. John Spillane and band will be live-streaming John's debut record, The Wells of the World, with two gigs from the Barrows of Clonakilty. The first show takes place on Thursday, September 3rd at 5pm, with a second show at 9pm that night. Tickets are available from the venue's website. Access all areas. The Everyone Theatre has announced it will open its doors at the historic McCurtain Street venue on September 15th. They'll also soon be sharing an exciting programme of shows set to take place at the venue between September and December. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie Access All Areas Your guide to nightlife on the side On Cork's 96FM Mary, thanks for waiting Are you saying barking dogs are causing more stress than the students? Well, I would certainly like barking dogs can be going on 24-7 Students probably do like they, I think they probably are in a wider context, obviously not in that immediate area. But I'm just saying, you know what I mean, they are a huge source of stress and there's nobody, you know, I won't, trying to get them, you know, coming after them, if you like, in, yeah. the, in, the, sa- in the same way. You, you have students yourself, I think. I have you? students myself. Um, I think the university year... I, I just feel so sorry for them, like kind of thing. I have an older son who has just moved out of home, and the primary reason behind that is it's his only way of interacting with people his own age. Mm-hmm. You know, at home here, like if he was able to come home here after work and go out and meet his friends and socialise normally, he wouldn't have done that. But his only way of meeting up and being with people his own age is to move out. That because of COVID, yeah? Yeah, you know what I mean? He won't go, obviously, calling to their houses and, you know, things like that, like kind of thing, because, you know, everybody's situation, parents and grandparents and everything. We all have to make sacrifices. We all have to, but I'm just saying that students, like, for the college year, students mightn't actually ever meet another person in their whole year, except for the people that they're sharing a house with. Yeah. Or the few people that they can invite into their house. Yeah. It is like all us parents, we'd have been better off 
signing up our children to open university courses because at least they're familiar with online learning and yeah. things like that. Whereas UCC, I don't know. You know what I mean? We don't know what way we're all going to pay out three grand yeah. per student next month and we don't know what we're going to get in return. Yeah. And in fairness, I, kind of, I know um, one of my daughter's friends in a house in the um, Glasheen Road um, they were told by the landlord that the previous tenants had the guards called him them twice um, his policy is that if the guards are called three times you're evicted so they have been they're told if the third strike is against them they are out Right. even though they've only it would only be once that have been called while they are there oh hold on a while so the, the previous conduct of the previous tenants is being ah, held against that's these not girls. fair. It's not that's fair. That's not fair. But they have no come back like they want the house. So and let me let me understand what's been said. What yeah. you're saying here. So that your your say these people that you know yes. have moved fresh, as it were, exactly. into a house. Yes. The previous tenants had the guards called twice. Yes. So the landlord has said, if the guards are called once more, you're yeah. out. Yes. Ah, that's not fair. It's not fair, but, like, they had to accept it. My daughter was up there after hockey or something the other night, and, you know, they were nearly creeping around the place. Yeah. And I went up to collect them at half ten, and I'm sorry, like, there are a certain amount of curtain twitchers, if you like, up there who have an awful lot of time on their hands to be watching the coming goings of every student in their vicinity, and it's just not fair you know, the, I said it's the only way my daughter can actually see these friends. What would you say to the residents' association? I, I, there's living left. The party's at four in the morning. Nobody wants to. You know, it's not fair. That's not fair. Ghetto blasters going at four in the morning. That's not fair. Mm. You know, but I, I won't. Say, I, I won't say tarring everybody with the same brush. You know, as. In a way, that's what they are doing. And that it, yeah. You could safely say the majority of young people who were up there for the summer behaved themselves. It was just some people went over the top. So the tar in the whole and lot with and, that brush. And, and that's going on everywhere. If you go to a place that has a bar next door, I guarantee you there'll be 15 people falling out of there at whatever time of night time, shouting and roaring. Yes. You know what I mean? And they're... The, the proprietor is making money out of them. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know what, you what mean. I mean? There's profits being made out of these. So, and, so I think what you're saying, Mary, give, give them a break. It's, they're not. Well, they're listen, not all bad. And their student, they're going to have a horrible. It's not a student life that they're even going to have. You know, it's their only interaction with friends. They have to meet them somewhere. They can't go. There won't be anywhere they can meet on campus at 8 o'clock at night even or whatever. I know you're not talking about it's the 4 in the morning kind of thing. No, but, but I, I take your point too on the curtain twitching. That has to stop too. Yeah, and definitely the landlords have to be a bit fair to the new newbies coming yeah, in to that, be... That, that's definitely unfair. That's really unfair. To, to be threatening newcomers for the for the sins of the, of the, of the, of the former tenant and, is you wrong. Know, and the same like kind of thing, you know... I won't say certain tenants will be really nervous and, you know, especially kids who have starting in first year in college. Yeah. They're going to be really, really nervous. Yeah. 
Yeah, like kind of thing and putting that kind of stress extra stress on them make life worse alright listen Mary leave it there for no reason other than time thank you for that The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Corks 96 FM interested in some of the stuff Mary was saying there look she said and she made it very clear that keeping neighbours awake at half past four in the morning is not acceptable and and having loud music all hours of the day and night and huge crowds in your house is not acceptable behaviour. But she also said that on the balance of that, certain people need to stop the curtain twitching and the pearl clutching and let's strike some kind of a balance here. And actually that came up as well. Gary is in New Zealand. Hi Gary. Uh, that lad on just nearly had me in tears. This was about Kieran. No, I mean tears of laughter. Laughing at how hard the students have it. Talk about living in a world of your own. Uh, Sarah says, so he's saying that when UCC start back to college, the parties will stop. Because there's no evidence that those parties this summer are UCC students. Well, we know the parties will start again because there have always been parties in that part of town. There always have. It's just a fact of life. And it gets out of hand now and again. It's not going to stop just because college comes back. Councillor John Maher says this lockdown has affected everyone. Young and old have all gone without and all missed out on things important to them. This isn't a tug of war between young and old. Covid affected us all and that must be recognised. You're right, John. We've all uh, dealt with Covid in our own way. We've all lost out. We've all lost out. I saw a tweet recently from somebody I know. And what have they missed more? haven't been able to hug their godchild in the last six months. You know, those little things are what's bothering people. You know, not the lack of a, a party or a lack of a night out. You know, good point, good point. Kate says it should be three strikes and you're out. But imagine all the parents. But I, certainly what Mary was saying, and that's not fair. That is not fair. That they've, the, the landlord in the house has a, a three strikes and you're out policy. The previous tenants had the guards called twice. So now the new tenants, who I think involved Mary's daughter, have been told one calls the guards and year out. That's not fair. At all, at all. At all. Uh, Dave then wants to know, uh, did you ever see a student up in court for antisocial behaviour? Well, speaking to the guards over the years about that, Dave, what they will tell you, and like it or not, don't shoot me, I'm only the piano player... They've said, we don't want to bring uh, charges against young people if we can avoid it at all because we don't want to affect their careers going forward, visas to America, visas to Australia, that kind of thing. They don't want to affect their careers for the sake of some student shenanigans. But I can see why some people don't like that either. 1850-715-996 is the number. The text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696 and the email opinion at 96fm.ie. We're getting a few calls about the long wait for COVID tests. Yeah. Uh, people not getting their COVID tests back for, for days on end. I'll get to that. I'll get to that. But there was a tweet that we saw here now, let me, let me describe a picture to you. It's a picture of a bed. Uh, and it is literally rammed in to a window frame. Like, it's rammed against the wall, and your feet would be banging off the, the other wall against it. It's crammed into the frame. And next, I think that's a shower. I think it's a shower. 
that it's crammed up against. So your feet have been knocking off the wall of the shower. And there's a bath or a sort of a sink up against the wall. And the tweet says, student eldest was quoted 500 a month for this double ensuite room in Limerick. Yeah. Oren, was that you? That was me. Uh, that was me, PJ. Yeah, I was looking for some accommodation around you. Yeah. Now, is, is that a shower? Is that a shower capsule or, or um, cubicle that I can see? Yeah, but what I told is it was a double ensuite. So uh, I was emailing this guy back and forth for a few days, and uh, a double ensuite. He was quoting me for five hundred a month. Yeah. Eventually, I got the pictures off him, and uh, that's what I saw: a shower and a sink rammed up next to a, a bed there. And like rammed, I mean, you'd have had to force that bed into that gap. Uh, as someone said in the tweet, they're not sure whether the bed was put in the bathroom or the bathroom was put in the bed, you know? Yeah, and there is no toilet, which that doesn't, that doesn't make it an ensuite. If there's no toilet, it's not an ensuite. Oh, yeah. My mother asked he's me supposed to, he was supposed to pee in the sink or something. <laughs> yeah. My mother asked me where the toilet was. I told her the shower is a two-in-one. Oh, no. You, 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 you're joking, I take it. And did, no, you did you go to, did you go to see it? Yeah, oh, geez, no, not at all. I mean, I nearly, so I was supposed to see him on Sunday. I nearly went to him to ask him, you know, what, what's going on like. Um, I suppose the worst thing about this one, PJ, was it, I found this listing on UL's own website for finding accommodation. So um, it's, it's, you know, it's not it's not the first I've seen. It. It's not the first and won't be the last. I had yeah. friends last year who were in a, they're paying €1,400 a month for a place, like apartments they got off UL's like website as well. Uh, exposed cables all over the place, black mold. Um, there was two of them in the one room. They didn't even have any bed frames. They just had mattresses on the floor, you know. Crikey. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty rotten out there. Yeah, and they're like, all we can see in this picture is, is the bed and, and the sink and the shower cubicle. I, I imagine mm. there wasn't a whole more amount of room left, was there? Oh, I, I wouldn't say so. I wouldn't say so, no. The other, the other rooms looked fairly similar as well. Like. And there would have been several in the house? There would have been several, yeah. Yeah, you see, and this is what people, this is what people are, are dealing with. Yeah, and it's odd, like, because it seems this year, like, you know, you would have expected it to be a lot easier to find accommodation, uh, with, you know, less fine students coming in, more people commuting. But uh, what I've noticed and what my friends have noticed is, like, the the price of rent is skyrocketed. Like, it's gone up hundreds of euros. It's impossible to find a place. All the landlords are looking for rent up front now. Um, you know, because obviously they, they must have lost a few months last last year, so now they're looking for semester one up front, semester two up front. Yeah. Um, it, it's just odd, like, you, you know, you'd expect it to be easier to find a place, but it's just getting more and more difficult. So I'm, I'm starting college at the end of September, and I, I still have to find a place. Wow. There was another tweet in response to your one, the, to, the, to the picture. Well, it was your dad put the tweet up. Um, I'm bringing the eldest down to Cork tomorrow, says a man called Robert. I'm bringing the eldest down to Cork tomorrow with 3.6k in cash for 25 weeks rent. No checks. There's another eight students in the house. Same deal or no deal. So that's 20... If it's eight... Jeez, that's 30 grand in cash. Yeah. yeah. It makes you wonder, you know, how much are they saying on, you know, for the tax? How much are they saying that they're getting a month for those houses? Um, the, the thing with the places around colleges and universities as well is uh, they're all in a rent pressure zone, you know. So if they're increasing their rent, it's only by a few percent they're allowed to do it legally. Four so percent. After seeing that all this rent has gone up 200, 300 euro in some places, like you have to wonder what's going on. Like, where's the moderation? Who's 
who's taking a look at the, the laws and regulations here yeah. and telling the landlords what's okay and what's not. Something else with regard to that picture that, that um, was shared. Isn't that a bedsit? Aren't they supposed to be uh, ruled out? Isn't that supposed to be against the law? Which it certainly is. And if there's no toilet in the room, then that's exactly what it is. It's a bedsit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's just, there doesn't seem to be any any regulations going on. Like no 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 moderation going on. So the search, um, the search they continues. can get away with it, whatever they want, really. Yeah, the 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 the, the search continues. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's no sign of a kitchen or any kind of a kitchenette or worktop or anything there either. It's it's just a, bit, a it's just now, a bedroom. Yeah, there is a kitchen I saw, but it's it's nothing to a. It's not too pretty either. So. Oh, is, is that in the room or is it part oh, of... Oh, not in the room. Oh, Jesus, no. It's a shared kitchen. It's a shared kitchen, yeah. Yeah, a room. Yeah, yeah, a room with a sink isn't a bedsit. A bedsit involves yeah. uh, some kind of a rudimentary kitchen as well, fair enough. Oh, all right, okay, I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But we, had, we had hundreds of bedsits down the road from us here, and you know what? They were, they were all sort of banned years ago by and let us not forget it was the Green Party brought it in uh, and, and thinking that to to be a great way to to, to develop the, the housing situation sure that mm-hmm. was a mess too that was a mess alright listen leave it there Oren thanks very much you won't be taking that one up anyway for sure 1850-715-996 yeah that has always been an argument uh, what constituted a bedsit did there have to be a kitchen or a kitchenette in it uh, mm, it depends. It depends. The, the definition of a bedsit, according to the Green Party, was a place that didn't have a toilet of its own. That you actually had to share a toilet at the end of a corridor and didn't have separate facilities for living on your own within it. Some of them had kitchenettes. They were little flats. Because I remember a friend of mine had a little place, a little tiny bedsit with a, with a, with a, with a tiny little kitchenette up against one wall. Uh, and 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 you're, once you're sharing a toilet, it's not a bedsit. Yeah, once you're sharing a toilet, it's not a bedsit. If, if if it's not got a kitchenette in it, it's a house share. See, all the all the terms get squashed around. Uh, Eighteen a separate door for the toilet too. There has to be. That was all the stuff that came in back in the day. There was took hundreds and hundreds of, of, of bedsits out of the out of the system. Even though I was in a place only. What? Six months ago, not far from this very building in which we're sitting, visiting somebody, and it would constitute a, a bed sit. 1857, I'm getting a definition here now. A one roomed unit of accommodation typically consisting of combined bedroom and sitting room with cooking facilities. Okay. 1850 715 996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette, now at the Junction Vickers Road. Open every day to save you time and money. Selfservicelaundry.ie The Cork's 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100-euro shopping voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Join the Quartz 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. This is Quartz Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Quartz 96FM. 
actually you can argue the toss on definition of what is and what isn't a bed sitter, a house share, the whole thing. People argued that since I was in college. But I'll tell you one thing. I often said this and I'll say it again and at the risk of, of getting the wrath up of anybody, particularly Green Party people, um, taking the bed sits out of the system was the greatest act of stupidity uh, in, in, in trying to deal with our housing crisis because doorways are no comparison to the smallest little bedroom. And those hundreds of them became unusable overnight. Hundreds of them. And and that didn't help at all with dealing with the housing system. But, but that's a by the by. Got a, a note in from Molly's Bar in Middleton. And Molly's, I think, is it is it Jana or Yana? Jana. Jana, hi. Jana, hi. You're one of the pubs that's open serving food and all of that and working within the the present restrictions, isn't that right? Yes, that's correct. Um, and the reason we're on today is in relation to a post that we placed on our social media last night that gained the attention of a lot of local people and the show itself. Um, the post itself was essentially just asking for a bit of kindness. Now, firstly, I'd like to say we're overwhelmed by the vast majority of locals who've been nothing but supportive and pleasant to deal with. What we are finding, though, is in the last few weeks, this time restriction that has been enforced upon us, it's garnering a growing element of disrespect and rudeness from a few, but it is growing. Yeah. Um, so some of the things you put up in the post that, that you keep hearing is, don't you want my effing money? You're not even full. This is a joke. One more round or you'll be getting some bad review from me. Uh, paid half your bills with that meal and you're refusing me an extra few drinks. Uh, you should be glad I'm here at all. It's only because you're open. You've ruined our whole evening. Like, that's not nice. It's not. It's not. Um, and I do want to say, of course, we're a pub. We're well able to take a bit of back and forth and that's no problem. No problem with chance in the air. I'm having a chat about regulations. But it is a growing level of rudeness and disrespect when it comes time for our group to leave. Um, and I suppose it had grown to the stage whereby we felt we needed to speak out because, again, it, these guidelines are not our choice. Yeah. And again, we're not high, holding ourselves to a high standard. What we're saying is we're putting in a genuine effort. Yeah. I think that's the key here. Genuine effort from businesses to go along with the guidelines for health and safety. You have these viral videos from Kerry and Dublin, etc., which is essentially a middle finger to anyone opening and even those, the wet pubs that are unfortunately closed. Yeah. Um, like it's a financial pressure at the moment. Like I'll just give you a small idea. For us, the timeline restrictions have the following effect. Based on the size of our pub, we have 13 tables. Um, we can't take more than six people. That's also a guideline per table. But on average, we could take up to about four. Now, again, of course, there's plenty of people coming in ones, twos and threes. But for argument's sake, if we filled every table with four people, they had nine euro food and two pints each. That's only a thousand euro, which for a business that now, again, because of guidelines, we need a minimum of four staff for sanitising, the increased volume of food, protection, PPE, cleanliness, table service. So there's a huge financial pressure. Mm. So on top of that, we don't need the negative added experience that's happening. Um, And what I also wanted to raise is that we have a lot of cancellations. Um, Now, again, we're very thankful for anyone who calls. And of course, there's many a genuine reason to cancel a table. But what we're finding is these are the following ones. So firstly, the regulations that are in place at the moment make it impossible 
to enjoy a match. So you can't come away in, watch the build-up, watch the full game. If there's extra time, God bless you. And then after that, you can't watch the post-match break. Analysis, yeah, yeah. And we're paying a very large amount for television subscriptions to show these because our customers want to see them. It's part of the reason they come to socialize is to watch As a matter matches. of interest, Jana, what is the, 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 the Sky subscription, for argument's sake, for a pub for... Sport. It would vary. It would vary. We're a new bar. Um, we're actually in talks with Sky at the moment. It would vary on how many boxes you have and so on. But you could be talking 1500 a month and we're a small bar. Crikey. And that's without everything. Crikey. It is. It is crazy. It's crazy. And again, yeah. the argument comes there, okay, do we get rid of it completely? You know, but again, we do have a lot of people who are coming for a match. Yeah. Um, and we're not able to facilitate... And the match kicks off moment. at 8 o'clock and they'll book the table for 8 o'clock and 105 minutes should involve pretty much most of the match. But then again, if it drags on a bit, you're trying to shift them off the table. Now, the, the counter-argument to that is, Janet, if it's a thing that I've been there with my mates and we've had a good feed and we've had a few points and we've spent a bit of money and there's nobody else in the pub, having you coming down saying, sorry, lads, you need to go, it doesn't go down well. Absolutely. As 100%, and as an individual, I completely agree with that. I'm not here to debate whether that's correct or not. It's not that we agree with the guidelines. Yeah. What we're saying is they're enforced upon us. Do you understand you why know? you have to? Has it been explained to you why you have to get people off the table like that? No. To be honest, the guidelines have been given to us. A hard copy has been issued by our local guardie, and these are the rules that yeah. are in place. Yeah. I'm a license holder and I have a social and moral responsibility to go according to guidelines or again, put a genuine effort in, yeah. you know, not be floating, let's say. Um, what I don't find um, making sense is, for example, if it's a busy day, I get my trolley and I go to a supermarket. I could be queuing to get in, then I do my big shop and I queue again to leave. In theory, I could be there for two hours touching dozens of products, brushing against people and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yet, for example, and I understand the upset, yourself and your significant other go in to watch a match and I'm there an hour and 45 minutes later handing you a bill. Yeah. It does not make sense. I don't agree with it. But what I can say is we don't have a choice. Yes. So if we are putting a genuine effort in to go with what's been decided by experts and those in government... We're in an absolute catch twenty-two. And explain to me, Jana. Again, I'll, I'll bring up the set myself and my buddy and our two significant others. We come in for the match. We we have a good bit of grub and a few points being had. You've got to leave us go on a hundred and five minutes. Now, supposing you don't. Supposing you say, "Well, look, PJ, the pub is empty. Have another few drinks." What happens if a guard walks in? Well, again, we're talking in hypotheticals here. Yes. Um, that varies, I would find, on the guard or your area. I can only speak for our area. Our guardie do visit. Um, and depending on the guard, that could be a general check-in. It could be a walk-through. It could be a receipt check. Um, they could ask for details of the licence, myself, etc. So, again, that does vary. What we are finding, though, whether it's true or not, I cannot comment, is one of the cancellation um, messages or reasons is very often, 
but come here, we booked there. He came highly recommended. You know, food is great, etc., etc. I was chatting to a friend there yesterday, and she said, these guidelines are actually going on, are they? And you replied, yes, of course, you know, as they are in every establishment. Oh, well, I'll get much longer as for a girl. I'll, I'll have to cancel that. And again, it's upon me to fill that. So if yeah. that cancellation comes an hour before on a Saturday night yeah. and I've told five other parties that I can't see them, yeah. I could have filled that five times over. And, and tell again, me, are you allowed to take walk-ups? Because that's another confused area. Confused area. Yes, yes, we do take walk-ins. But again, we do ask that people do book ahead, especially for certain times of the week. So, mm. for example, any time after six o'clock of a Saturday, of course, is very, very busy. We have limited spaces, etc. So we do both. Um, if we're able to take a, will, a walk-in, we absolutely will. Now, upon walk-in, we do have to take contact tracing information, which would be a name and contact yeah. number. For are people, are people cooperating that way? They are. They definitely are. And I do want to ring through it. We're lucky to be open. I'm aware of that. We're lucky that our locals, for the majority, are very pleasant and they're absolutely great to deal with. But there is a growing contingent. And I do want to make the point, because I feel it might be pointed out later, is it is not young people. Um, oh. It is not. The majority of these people are not 25 and under. I've been listening to your show. And again, there's an argument for, you know, a lot of young people going against rules and so on. But my theory would be this. I do not argue at all that there needs to be a controlled health and safety environment. But for example, if these young people could stay in my controlled environment where they won't be overserved, um, you know, where they are given table service, where they are only interacting with one another, yeah. then why can I not keep them for a longer amount of time? And perhaps if I could keep them till twelve thirty, for example, they might head away home. It might stop the headache that those yeah. residents are having because they've enjoyed themselves mm. in a social, safe environment. Because a lot of people just don't get the time limit. They don't understand the reason. You don't either, do you? Frankly not. I can't see um, how they can make 100% foolproof logic from this limit. Again, like I say, you can stroll around a supermarket. Um, again, for example, if you chose to have six people, which I think it is now from three households, within your house for a celebration, they could be there all night, which, which is absolutely fine. But those same six people coming to my area, which arguably is more regularly sanitised, there's less contact, et cetera, et cetera. It's bar measures, not home measures, which can be very different. Yeah. Um, you, they can't stay with me for the evening, but they can go home for the evening yes. and socialise together or go to a, for or many go an to hour. a house party. Yeah. This yeah. Is it. Yeah. You, you said that you think the local wet pubs should not still be closed, but the question that was coming to me there was, and you mentioned how, the, like you said, you've only, what, nine tails? Uh, 13. 13 tables, and really over the course of 105-minute session, what are you turning into your tail of grand, we'll say? Uh, that would be the average that I spoke yeah. on earlier, but again, that's filling it with four. We yeah. have many, many tables that are filled with one and two yeah. people. Is that sustainable to continue? This is the question, and um, this really is the question. Again, I want to thank the locals for their repeat custom, but things are starting to add up at this stage. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it is the restriction that's really getting us. Again, paying for a subscription that people can't truly enjoy. You know, the increase in staff. So while we're open less hours, we have a larger team on to yeah. abide by these health and safety guidelines. 
Um, And that in and of itself is adding up. The wage subsidy has now changed, um, which again, I completely understand. And the government has to look at the bottom line for the country as a whole and what they can spend. However, from my understanding, and again, it's my understanding, I'm prepared to be corrected here. Previously, we've been in receipt of the wage subsidy. The portion of the subsidy from the government would hit our bank within 48 hours. So yes, I would have to pay the money myself directly to our employees who work very hard for their money. And then within 48 hours, whatever my subsidy may be, it would hit my bank. The new system, from what I can understand, gives less of a subsidy, which I'm not arguing with. What it does do, from what I can see, again, prepared to be corrected, it does not come back to you till a month later. And that really does interrupt my cash flow. That is a major issue. So September, with kids going back, with people under pressure, this could be a breaking point for a lot of pubs that are open. That's a very interesting point, Jana. I'm glad you made it because, as of the, because we've had a lot of talk in the last week about how the subsidy system is is changing. So, say last night you paid a staff member a certain amount for a shift, and then the subsidy lands in your bank account within 24, 48 hours from the government. Tonight, under the new scheme, you pay someone for the same shift, the subsidy is less, and it takes nearly a month to land. From what I'm aware of, again, this well, is our first... Ah, yeah, week, but that's, that's not but sustainable. But from my understanding... That's not yeah. sustainable. No, um, you know, it does interrupt cash flow. While we are obviously selling less alcohol, the breakdown for us is about 60-40 alcohol and food. Um, so we are shifting less drink, quite frankly, but we're still having to get it in. And um, again, you might see certain beers, stouts, etc. drop off, but you still need to have them there for people because you want your customers to be comfortable and to have options and so on. Yeah. Um, so really, I do think, again... I understand the need for health and safety measures. Of course. The timing is my major issue. Where is the logic on the timing? And I never in my life agreed with the Healy Ray, but what's the logic in the sandwich? What, what is the logic? Now, we have a full restaurant menu we have for a long time. We have great food, um, and the food is doing very well. But for my fellow local publicans who have been established much longer than myself, yeah. what is it about, you know... A the bangers and mash that's helping that's helping you out <laughs> a lot of people asking that question Jana listen thank you very much and I, I, I hope people are listening do you know these restrictions you didn't put them there but you have to follow them to try to keep your licence and keep yourself open this is it. Correct. All right. Talk to you again that's great. Just Jana from Molly's Bar in Middleton it's a pain in the arse to have to leave after an hour and something minutes it is like you know, your night is only starting. You've had your feed and you've had your couple of points and there's 20 minutes left in the match. It's a pain in the arse. But it's not the publican's fault. It's not the publican's fault. This is the law of the land at the moment. WhatsApp message says all the government are doing is pushing the pub trade underground. It'll start to become a new norm like pre-drinking. They just don't want to take the chance of one pub having a case of COVID and a younger age... Uh, movements are more than the over 40s. Owen on WhatsApp says, Sky, as far as I know, once upon a time I used to work on the phones for them, they charge per square footage of the pub. So the claim having Sky Sports increases your customers. So the bigger the pub, the bigger the monthly bill for the pubs. My daughter's working in high streets, books, and the abuse some people 
are giving to the young girls who are human beings, putting them out there since reopening in June is unreal. People shouting at girls, saying hurry up and serve, have been queuing outside for half an hour. They're only allowed a certain amount of people in the premises due to COVID. Why do people think they can abuse staff like this is beyond me. They didn't shout at Dunn's and Tesco when they wanted their groceries, did they? Cop on, have respect for those wonderful girls giving up their summer working hard, says Rachel. 1850 715 996. The Opinion Line on Courts 96 FM. With the Junction Vickers Road, Supermarket, Solid Fuel Depot, and a self service laundrette. Your one stop for everything. Top 10 things that staff want their boss to do, okay? Doing something as simple as bringing a coffee to your staff. Yeah. Your boss saying thank you in a public email. Uh, when a boss asks for your opinion before making a decision, what do you think we should do? Uh, when you get taken out for lunch, it's fantastic and everything's paid for. Unless your boss is an assassin. <laughs> <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning. Cork's 96 FM. There is, I think, uh, looking back over my many, many volumes of... Uh, accumulated bits of science since all this started. There is a bit of science about the 105 minutes and the having a meal bit. And it would appear to be, first of all, while you're eating a substantial meal, you're not talking much and you're certainly not shouting because you're, you know, engaged in your meal. And then if you stay for an hour or more afterwards where you're having pints, the place is getting louder and you're getting louder and droplet spread is the worry. So it's to do with food and the amount of time it takes to eat a decent meal. 105 minutes, an hour and a half or so and a couple of drinks. Because the idea was you can have a drink with your meal, not you have a meal with your drink. That was the bit of science to do with it. Whether I agree with it or not, I don't know. But Noel says the government brought out this rule about €9. Euro. He was in a bar last week. It's only opened a few weeks now. They brought in food from a restaurant. They're not even cooking it themselves. Um, but the list was for four different pizzas at four different prices. The cheapest pizza on the list, twelve fifty. And he said, hang on a minute. The law is nine euro, not twelve fifty. The law says nine euro. Why should the bar charge twelve fifty? That's robbing people more. I'm on disability. I can't work. That's too much. I beg your pardon. It says nine euros at least. It has to be at least nine euro. You think that they would have one old pizza on it that would just be nine euro? But I take your point. And an awful lot of places. Well, anecdotally, you hear of places getting food in from the pizza house across the road, or the chipper down to the corner, and lobbing an extra one fifty on for the house. Is that fair? I don't know, but it's happening. That's business. That's supply and demand. 1850-715-996. Now, John Swanick was on to us about the state of the Atlantic Pond. I haven't been down there in a while, but I can't imagine it, it, it did too well during Storm Emma and Storm, Storm Ellen, rather, and Storm Francis, John. It's a bit of a mess right now, is it? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Is it a mess down there? It is a, it, it is an desperate state altogether. Yeah. Tell me, and, uh, it. you'll be a regular visitor. I'm a regular visitor there. And, um, you know, it's very disappointing the way it is at the moment. What, what kind of things have you seen? Oh, gosh. <laughs> the, 
the, the on the north side of it, on the, the River Lee side, yeah. it's completely unwalkable at the moment. The water from one into the other. On yeah. on the south side, by CAB side, yeah. um, you have to walk in by the old wall of the convent, I suppose, yeah. that was there. Uh, it is moody. Right. Completely. It is about three feet higher than it should be at the moment. Right. And is there no release system there? Pardon? Is there no drainage system? Is it just... It's a, um, there's a, a flap valve which controls, the, apparently, the tide in and out. Right. But it's malfunctioning for the past month or more. Right. Um, the swans, there are seven lovely signals there this year. They're completely discommoded um, at the state of the, the moment. They, they love to be um, eating the algae along the perimeter of the lake, uh, the pond. Yes. It is now three feet uh, above that level, so they can't get at it. So their only food now is a bit of grazing and grass. I see. Oh, and nice. the stream going up by the training uh, pitch and CAB, and, uh, by CAB and Parker Creeve, they love to be going up along there as well, you know. Yeah. There and, are three and bridges. who's responsible for the maintenance, John? Do you know? The parks, I suppose, and whatever else. Council, then, yeah. Council, anyway. Yeah, yeah. And you reckon that it, if this valve was got at and yes. opened, it would yes. drain it out? I, I, you know, I can't see why it couldn't be opened uh, on and off and let the level down if there's, you know, if they have a problem getting uh, a new valve for it or something. But you'd think they could drop it. Occasionally, let it rise and drop it again, something like that. Yeah. So until they get it. So the it, the pond is flooded because the of this drain. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Let's. Um, it, this happened about three years before, and uh, they let it run for about maybe a month, or five weeks before they did anything about it. Right. And um, the island where the fowl, the wild fowl. Uh, I suppose spend their nights, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is now uh, covered in about two feet of water. Oh, okay. And so we the, lost the habitat. Uh, is the habitat? Yeah, habitat. Yeah. Um, last on the island, there is, um, I'd say, one of the biggest henries in Ireland. Oh, Normally, you could go down there and you could count maybe fourteen or fifteen uh, herons. Really? Last Sunday morning, there wasn't one to be seen. Not an egret, not a heron. The swans were out. I put photographs up on Facebook last night. You can be seen there. Yes. And uh, the swans are just a little patch of ground grazing away for themselves the best they can. Yeah, and of course, is it is it a registered sanctuary, John, like the lock is? I would say it is, yeah. It's a, you know, it is a lovely place to oh, walk around. Oh, it's gorgeous, around. yeah. I, I just you, you, must, you must know it much better I do. than I do. I, I know it very, I know it, I haven't been down there that often but yeah. lately, but I know it very well, and it was always a lovely amenity, and and the swans were lovely to watch and all that. Yes. I wasn't aware, though, that there was this valve to, to drain it. That is it, and this valve, as far as I knew, can make out it is uh, along by the marina, between the marina and the, the river, you know. Right, and you just drain it down into the river. Yes. Crikey. Okay. We should look into that. Or maybe some one of our local representatives who were so uh, vocal about making it pedestrianised down there that maybe they could check I, out. I have made a few contacts about it. I'm not going to give you names or anything. But, mm. I, you know, 
Okay. Um, they say they got onto the parks thing about it, and that's all they can do. Alright. Okay, John, thank you very much. That's John Swanick, appropriately named. Love getting calls from appropriately named people. Uh, thank you. 1850-715-996. Atlantic Pond flooded with the last, you can imagine it, flooded with the last couple of weeks. The swans struggling for food. He says the herons and the egrets are nowhere to be seen, uh, which is worrying if it's a sanctuary down there. And there is this valve. I didn't know. Every day is a school day in this game. There's a valve that is available to drain out the Atlantic Pond. But he says, maybe wrong, he says that that valve is presently jammed or broken. So maybe someone can find out. Does any one of our local representatives from that particular part of town, they're always quick on the phone. They were very quick on the phone when they wanted the place pedestrianised. I won't mention any names, so I'm looking at all ye. Can we see what can be done? 1850-715-996. We thought Golfgate had gone away. It hasn't. Uh, we've already seen a cabinet minister resign. We've seen the last coherent of the Shannon resign. We've now seen the European commissioner resign. Uh, there's a very quiet, ongoing investigation happening at judicial level into the Supreme Court judge that was there. We don't know what his future is until that report comes back but there was an ambassador there at that dinner that has caused the uh, diplomatic editor with diplomat.ie Michal O'Hurley uh, to become concerned Michal good morning to you good morning PJ how are you good now there was a very long list of uh, if we might call them the great and the good at that dinner <laughs> one of them being the Moroccan ambassador does he play golf I, you know, I know the ambassador. He's a great guy. He's a good ambassador. He's been an asset for both his country and for Ireland. But it's an odd fit to sit at a table um, at a golf outing for the Oireachtas who was supposedly honoring a deceased member. Um, it, it's just an odd fit. Mm. Why would you think it to be odd? Well, look at the people he's seated with, a Supreme Court justice. Uh, the lady president of the Oireachtas Golf Society, um, senators, former senators, and a businessman who owns a hotel group. Um, it, it was a table of honor, and he's the only foreign representative on the list. There's nothing wrong for it, per se. I mean, he's doing his job representing his government building connections. But it does raise question if... Um, he's there. Were, were deals being made at the table? Was this a way to um, soften up something for a deal? It, it, it's just an odd fit that he was the only foreign ambassador and the only foreign person at the dinner. Yeah, it did stand out. All right. You can't say, what's he doing there? Well, you know, the thing that, that gets me, and I think the reason so many people, and I've spoken to ambassadors across uh, Ireland who uh, represent their countries, and I've spoken to TDs and senators, members of the Shannon. Um, he's the only rich, powerful, and political person at that dinner who's not been asked to account uh, for his presence, nor has he issued an apology. Have you spoken to the ambassador? Have you called the ambassador? I've reached out to the ambassador a couple times by phone and email, and each time uh, I was met with silence. I reached out to Foreign Affairs to ask if they had a comment. They referred me back to the Moroccan embassy. 
Um, so maybe he's going stiff neck about it. That's that's his. Tell, tell us right. a little bit about it. Is it Ambassador Mahrul is his name? Am I pronouncing his name correctly? Morawi. Morawi. Right. Um, tell he, me about he's him. Really, he, he's quite a dynamic person. He's been uh, very good at making sure, like for example. Uh, Morocco has been very good with tourism with Ireland. It's a great destination. He's promoted business. I know that he's been involved with the high-tech industry here in Ireland. There are great opportunities for our two countries, and he's been an able advocate, and I've always known him as a good and honorable man. But if we're going to ask for an EU commissioner, a Supreme Court justice, a cabinet minister, and everybody else to account for their activities, it's an odd thing that we don't ask him simply because he's an ambassador. He serves at the pleasure of, in Ireland, of the government. Right. He's invited I mean, to be here by the government. Well, his government sends him, he presents his credentials, and the government has to either accept him or reject him as an ambassador. Mm-hmm. So ambassadors all serve at the pleasure of the government. The one thing, I guess, that set this off and, and how I got involved with the story is some of the ambassadors were somewhat upset because it makes the diplomatic corps look aloof, elitist and uncaring. Um, I don't know if you remember, but the uh, uh, Argentinian ambassador, uh, Her Excellency Laura Bernal, who was a friend also, she died here in Ireland earlier this year, and she was buried in County Mayo. Okay. So it's not like COVID-19 doesn't affect the diplomatic corps. So it looks bad for diplomats, and it's not good for the health system if we start um, enforcing COVID regulations for some people, but not for others. Now, you mentioned that obviously the ambassador serves at the pleasure of the government. There doesn't seem to be any call from government for him to explain his presence, does there? There hasn't to date. It's very interesting that Antishuk and, and Tanishta told Phil Hogan, an EU commissioner, that he should consider his position. But And he they fired six uh, members of the Shannon, took the whip away from them. Um, DDs have been reprimanded. A cabinet minister had to resign. But there's entire silence asking asking this ambassador to also be accountable. Do you know if the, if the ambassador's own government has made any comment on this? I, I, I've seen nothing in the press, and they've communicated nothing to me. Um, so it, it's you know he would have diplomatic immunity in any case, right? But the issue for uh, the Taoiseach was. That, that wouldn't, that wouldn't render, that wouldn't undermine him, the government. Sorry to cut across you, Michal. That wouldn't, that wouldn't give him immunity from following COVID-19 restrictions. Well, no, it wouldn't. But unlike other people in Ireland who can be prosecuted and fined, if, if you go to the U.S. Embassy website, they actually say the penalty on conviction for not abiding by Irish regulations uh, is up to 2,500 euros or six months in prison. So if anybody was charged... Um, that's the extent of the charges that are possible. Uh, he would, of course, be able to exercise diplomatic immunity. And no one's suggesting that people should be fined or imprisoned. Mm. But the question is, is either we're all in this together or we're not. Yeah. Um, and when we have a Garda investigation that starts off by saying we're not interested in the attendees, but only the organizers, yeah. how can we then go into a pub and say to an individual, you're not wearing a mask, we're going to fine you? It's, it's, a very, it's, it's about a very equal application point. of the law. It's a fair point. Michal, while I have you there, I understand that you know something about, and we'll, we'll watch that, we'll see where that goes. Uh, you know something about some coins recently oh, found. Incredible find. 
if you remember when they were digging down by the brewery uh, last year, they found some Viking artifacts. Yes. Um, now, a metal detector, it's an amateur, on a banks of the waters in Glenmire, one of the tributaries to the Lee, has found a hoard of ancient Viking coins depicting Vladimir the Great, who was the Grand Prince of Kiev. So these coins come from what is now Ukraine. Uh, well, they're they over get a thousand here? years old. How did they get well, here? Most people don't think about it, but the Vikings came down the Dnieper River in Ukraine through the Mediterranean. They traded in Morocco. It's not uncommon to find Viking coins along with Arab coins. We have an old Viking, of, a Viking who dropped his wallet down around Glenmire somewhere. Either he dropped it or they hid it. In times of strife, it was common to bury gold. That's why we find them in hoards, uh, multiple coins. Yeah. This would, supposedly from the reports, this would be more than someone would carry around his pocket change. So this was a treasure that someone probably hid. It was in a leather purse that had disintegrated. The, the metal detectorist, a guy by the name of Robert Carley, according to reports, um, I know that the Ukrainian ambassador would like to look at the coins, congratulate him. Yeah. My wife's Ukrainian. We named our child Lorikhan Vladimir. I mean, Vladimir the Great is very big in Ukrainian culture, and wow. it's a great find, and it connects the two countries. And, and, and um, very, very quickly, Michal, because I need to go, do, do these have a, a, a value? Are they valuable? Like, can, could you put a, a monetary value on them? Oh, absolutely. They're incredibly rare. And not only are they rare, but to be found here in Celtic Ireland makes them more extraordinarily oh. precious beyond their metal value or other value. We need to look into um, this a little bit more and hopefully we'll come back to it because that's a fascinating story. Viking coins from the Ukraine found in Glenmire. Give us a break. Like, these are the weirdest things that happen. Michal O'Hurley from Diplomat.ie, thank you so much for that. And we'll watch the story with the Moroccan ambassador in the coming days. But I really want to look more into those coins which hopefully we'll get to do uh, in, in, the, in the short term. That's it. The programme today edited by Dirty Shotton, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll see you tomorrow.